Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth? Hello! It is uh, another week down in 2021 Season 1, or as we all know it now affectionately, Season 1, 2021, 2022! Um, some words to that effect. Um, there's... Interesting Interesting aside, I actually saw a tournament run by the Australians. They call it 2.1. 2.1, 2 which there actually we go. makes a lot of sense. So we're in 2.1. Uh, there we go. Um, and uh, I am Mickey, as always, joined uh, by this man over here, uh, Carlo, as per usual. Um, how was your week, Carlo? Um, I had quite a non a Song of Ice and Fire week. Didn't play on Friday. Also didn't really look or do any, look, look at anything, do anything until today when I came and had a look at the tournaments over the weekend, which uh, is a good thing to happen now and again, because I can sometimes get a bit too close to A Song of Ice and Fire, spend too much of my time obsessing over it. So uh, yeah, I feel, I feel a bit reinvigorated by having not thought about Song for a whole week. Yeah, having a bit of a break from it, uh, which is in some ways a good thing. Uh, more on that later um, and of course joined also by this man up here a face that many people here would recognize and if you're listening to the podcast of course we do have a podcast available on basically every podcast channel that exists and if it doesn't exist on one that you want it to be on tell me and i'll put it on there uh, it is timu yet again <laughs> uh from hi Finland. guys how you doing buddy i'm good a bit exhausted after the tournament this weekend but happy good that's what matters, is that you're happy. Um, and that's Absolutely. what we like the most. Yeah, people being happy is the nicest thing that we can possibly ever have. Except Carlo. Carlo being happy is only possible when everyone else is sad. So what we yeah, actually want... Exactly. Is... I, am, yeah. I am driven by misery. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's best when I'm miserable because... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go political or anything, but I think it's good to feel happy as we have this Pretty nasty eastern neighbor from Finland, and uh, who's not behaving very nicely. So I've heard. About I, that, yeah. I, I really looked for an opportunity to put my mind to Song of Ice and Fire instead of real life. What's yeah, happening? Exactly. Yeah. So when real life is miserable, uh, I think what Timu's saying is play a Song of Ice and Fire, and that will make you feel better. Check. Unless you Roger lose. that. Roger <laughs> that. No. Uh, yeah. No, it's great. Um, all right, a few things to talk about today, and the first thing to talk about um, is the only real news that has happened over the last week in terms of anything related to the game. Um, more on stats and stuff as we go into it, but the actual only news this week is that like War Council has now properly been updated. Um, properly. Properly. I use that term with air quotes. Properly. Um... A couple of things. Uh, firstly, they have completely and utterly changed War Council and the way War Council works. Did anybody know that? Because that's a thing. Uh, that will mean that myself and Carlo will be doing, um, well, we'll be having a discussion uh, about how we're going to do assets and things in the future for the site and stuff, because um, it's definitely possible. But basically, it just makes my job a little bit more miserable. It doesn't make it harder. It doesn't make it impossible. 
it just aka makes it makes Carla more happy, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Demo knows. I'm, yes, Demo I'm learning. Knows. I'm learning. Yeah, but it is for this exact reason that um, we were able to get to the bottom of some problems that War Council's seen. Um, so. Uh, there will still be no updated bears and no drowned men. As far as War Council is concerned, they are not released still. That is a whole different question. Uh, I don't quite yeah. understand why we live in a world where those things have... They've seen... I mean, certainly war uh, the bears. Less so drowned men, but the bears have literally seen US release now. Mm-hmm. And US release was always what we went by when it came to War Council updates. Yeah. So... What are we waiting on? I don't know. Um, and people will use them, but you literally can't build them in the app. And if we can't build them in the app, then we're hesitant to put them on uh, stats. Um, it's very weird. Um, I don't know what's going on there. I... Yeah, that that is a new. This is a new region. Or like new 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 problem in my opinion, you know. Like I've yeah. been relatively closely monitoring the time, like what War Council does and what it means. There are obviously always been times ever since people started getting miniatures imported relatively early. There have always been people with miniatures and them not being War Council. That's been very common for a long time. But they've always been on War Council by the time that Simon acknowledged their existence. Simon put out, you know, posts saying this is released. And by the time they meet US official release dates, they've mm-hmm. always been on the app. So we're in totally new uncharted territory about why this is happening. I mean, maybe, I, honestly, it's news to me that the app has changed as of like, 20 minutes ago when Mickey decided to tell me maybe looked, maybe they had problems like maybe maybe they decided to change the app on presumably on purpose <laughs> presumably it wasn't a total accident um they decided to change the app and actually they're having problems because one of the other things that is in the app is is there are lots of mistakes or what we can only assume are mistakes so what I'm guessing are mistakes. Mistakes. And that's it. And that's why I thought I'd download it. We were going to talk about mistakes today. And this is when I realized that they aren't mistakes. Okay. They are not mistakes because mistakes implies that they're incorrect in relation to how the site is or the, the app is built. And they are not incorrect in relation to the way the app is built. Right. The app now, when it looks at cards, it no longer gives you full card art. The app now builds the card art for you in the app. It provides all the components and it puts it together. Now, the problem is, and Carlo, Carlo knows exactly where I'm going with this. If you have a rule, rule, like Courtney's rule, which says that you can march, but it finds the wrong rule because it exists on a different card. Yes. So valuable captive, for example. Uh, if I was trying to desperately find it, will exist in the rules section of their construction. And valuable captive, uh, obviously we'll know it as Rickon. Uh, Rickon, uh, the most, I guess, most often 
used version says this unit gains plus one to morale tests when Jamie has destroyed your opponent gains one victory point. Now the problem, that's the text for the rule, but Rickon, which Jamie has by the way, J Jamie has valuable captive, but Rickon also has the rule valuable captive. So by using a uh, proper noun in the ruling of the rule, you then reference that model and only that model. So mm. that is okay, why there's been errors, right? Is it actually an intended error or is it an error that they could have foreseen? Well, the app developers would never have actually considered that being an issue. But it is obviously an issue from the way the rules are. Maybe maybe they'll have to fix their loose wording. They'll have to realize that they've got the same rule in multiple places that does different things. Yes, they will. <laughs> they will actually it, have to do that. Does, um, does it put together tactics cards or are tactics cards in images? As far as I'm That's aware, a very interesting thing because I will... obviously tactics cards have been one of the biggest things where like there are multiple references to what is effectively the same rule, but they're written differently in each each location. Tactics cards are put together. Wow, interesting. Okay, yeah. well, this watch this space. This Maybe... actually is very, very, very good news because tactics cards texts in War Council can now be changed without any additional art required. It takes all of about three seconds for me to go in to War Council and change the text to something that I would need to do. Mm. I, as far as I'm aware, I can do that anyway. I'm looking at it now, and actually the tactics cards don't seem to have a text for the actual ability itself. Oh, no, they do. Oh, my God, it's horrible. For those of you who don't know Excel, the whole wording of the text so the trigger isn't an independent piece of text the trigger is part of the text of the whole card so yeah but the whole thing is in uh, the whole thing is in in excel spreadsheet very interesting change yes. well there you go that is why your cards in war council are wrong yep because they're not actually wrong they're right, well. it's just the rules are written badly, <laughs> you could argue. Um, so, that is a good thing. I mean, it is a good thing because it does mean things like valuable captive will have to avoid using proper nouns if they want to be ubiquitous abilities that are used on multiple areas. Is this a problem as well? Yes. The reason this is a bit of an issue is it does mean that if you use a proper noun in terms of a card's text with the ability that it has, it does mean that you'd either have to create another ability with different wording, which, if anyone remembers pre-1.6, uh, the old Sikkim rule from B Bottom Bastard Girls. Um, Bottom Bastard Girls had Sikkim, which was Charging Volley. It was exactly the same rule, but it was the Bolton Bastard Girls variant. And one of the decisions they made was to clean that up to call it charging volley, and then it becomes ubiquitous with all the other things that are charging volley. Except they now have kind of like retconned that a little bit by saying, well, we can't use abilities that reference these things because they suddenly become problems in the app. Um, 
it's a it's good news in some ways because it's good news for people in terms of like the ease of this stuff changing on war council is actually very quick and easy to change like i'm no expert right i'm literally not an expert with this stuff but i could go into war council now if i had the fight if they gave me the, the, the dev files i could go in and i could change literally whatever i wanted in seconds that doesn't require a development developer that's the most interesting thing because it might mean that changes can be made from Simon's end and not the independent app builder's end, which would be interesting. Um, I doubt it will ever go that way. But <laughs> in theory, it would allow. I have no. I still have no clue about like who makes and maintains War Council. Like no idea. Um, but yeah. The bad news is, uh, like, we won't go into too much detail. The bad news is it will make building cards for uh, stats. Um, it will make building any assets much harder. Unless, of course, you get provided them by Simon free of charge. Um, but uh, it won't stop it. <laughs> like, it legitimately won't stop people putting the assets together. And honestly, once you develop a system to do it, it will take seconds. Like, it would just mean if I was going to do it for Carlo, we'll either come up with a new system or we'll just create a system that builds them for us, because that's what they have anyway. We'll just code something that builds it for us. There you go. Done. Um, so, that is... Uh, people could use that to create their own cards and so on. Yes, they could, actually. That is the other thing, is that now the graphics, it does actually mean because they give you the independent parts, which they always did, by the way, anyone who didn't know that they always provided those individual assets anyway um the because they have to with android apps you have to make it all uh, accessible um the uh, you could have made your own cards using their their assets anyway um you can do it even more easily now um it is actually a lot easier uh so that is a positive side for those creators who want to create stuff for the community um which i think is a good thing that is that is a good thing um so but the game modes didn't update but the game modes didn't update the no. faq didn't even update <laughs> the faq didn't update <sighs> hmm. so we are in a bit of a weird situation where effectively lots of the cards they seem to have rules that differ from the most recent update right like literally well two three weeks ago whatever it was this is actually, rules are different. This is actually the problem as well. If you move to a spreadsheet-style system, which is what they have, you've got a very good chance of making typos. So, there is errors. And there are errors that I'm not going to go through all of them. But a classic example is I will show you um, on the website. But there are also, also stat-based Yes. Errors, right? Yes, like, stat-based errors. Presumably, presumably it also doesn't have art for um, for a unit's cards, right? It, it puts together everything from, yep. say, the, the longsword ability is put together yes. by the app, yep. right? Yeah. Which is a problem because Queen's Men, as we see from the card, this is the card pool from Season 1 uh, sheets that we saw. If I find Queen's Men in the data files... Relaw Queen's men have a 754 profile on the app. They have a 764 profile in the card. 
this is an issue, right? It's different if you've got the name of a word, like the name of a, a proper noun in the name of an ability is a genuine kind of like, oh, I can see why that mistake has been made. And mm -hmm. if we understand that, we can communicate and say, actually, that should just say Rickon or actually that should just say Jamie or Preston or whoever. That's an easy thing to like work out because a proper noun is just a proper noun switch. Um, stat profiles that are wrong we 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 can't fix that is 764 right or is 754 right so unfortunately guys yeah. that does mean that queen's men are now unplayable in a competitive scenario <laughs> no um, they only just became playable two weeks ago <laughs> that's not fair <laughs> um so that's interesting. Is there another unit with longsword? Uh, there might be a unit with longsword 754, but uh, the way they structure their uh, abilities, I don't think they structure it in that sense. Um, to answer your question, if you're thinking, ah, is that an ability? Well, no, it's attack profiles are built based on a different spreadsheet. Trust me, I've got like eight spreadsheets open here with different files and things that they use in War Council. Um, so, um, yeah. Be with that what they may. They've streamlined it. They've made it good. It does mean there's going to be an issue. So, yeah. Don't really know what to say after that. I mean, code-wise, it's, it's a lot better system. Oh, gotcha. Tell you that. They don't have to upload the cards for every single... Like, they don't have to upload every single card anymore, right? You just upload a few assets and you say, oh, and here's a spreadsheet of how you make it into a card. You can do that. That makes life a lot easier. Um, for the, for, it makes it easier for the development side, definitely. Um, but yeah, seven five four, seven five four. Yeah, the uh, yeah. So it don't think of so these abilities that you see on other units with the name longsword because it's an attack profile. It's not actually an ability that we see on the right hand side with text. They are built differently in the app. But all it these people saying that Longsword is 754 makes me wonder if maybe Queen's Men Longsword is supposed to be 754. <laughs> but that's the, exactly it, the problem, isn't it? Is that if Yeah, it's... like, actually, I really don't know. Like, I am actually questioning it now. I'm actually questioning whether or not the error is in the file that they gave us. Except it can't be. Do you know why? Because the printed card says that? No. Um... Watch Marshall has a Longsword, which is three. Um, yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not saying long because longsword must be that value, yeah. but like, it does make it does question it. The thing is, it just like, raises questions. Just it doesn't saying, have any like, answers. You know, like one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> one of these things might be wrong. Exciting times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What an unknown world we move into. What a what a what a wonderful period of discovery. I know, right. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it certainly is. I'm going to actually, uh, have a little look. At For this. now, I am ignoring War Council myself. I believe that War Council, which is a huge change, because I have yeah. always considered War Council to be the go-to official yeah. rules. Like, 
Like, if it's in War Council, there is no discussion about it. It's the right rules. But War Council has such obvious errors right now in the written descriptions that then I can't trust that errors or differences in stat-based profiles are correct. Because I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, but this other card is wrong. So why would I believe that these changes here that I see are different? Anybody, um, anybody who cares, by the way, um, if you really want to see how silly this gets, uh, load up. Um, so just as a quick example here, load up Lannister Guardsman. Look at Lannister Guardsman and then the new ones on the new app. And then look up like Stormcrow Mercenaries. Both have the longsword ability. The new Lannister... This is the old one we see in 2021. The new Lannister Guardsmen have long swords. And Stormcrow Mercenary have long swords. <laughs> it's literally not the same name. Uh, one of them's got a space and a capital S. One of them doesn't. Um, anyway, there you go. That's the kind of stuff that we do on a weekday. Look up Excel files for differences. Um... <laughs> Slight bloody work. That's what Mickey does. Don't 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 don't, don't tarnish me with that brush. I I don't I don't do. I'm not that weird. You no no no. <laughs> you moved on from looking for errors in Excel files. You learn how to code instead. Uh, <laughs> um. Anyway, that's a piece of news that everyone I thought needed to know and please be aware of because it is a big issue that War Council isn't right. Um, that doesn't mean that War Council's wrong. That's the funny thing. It's just that it's not right for what the information we know. Um, mm. Timu. Yes. War Council for you. I know you use it quite a lot. Um, certainly for like when you're out and about and like looking up opponents' lists and doing searches and things for that for like quick information. Sometimes um, some people use stats. Some people use other stat builders. Some people use War Council. Uh, how do you feel about War Council being not right? We had a, quite a bit of a discussion with the people participating in this tournament mm -hmm. about whether one should have physical cards on the table mm. or a printed army list from the War Council, for example, to be able to communicate or very clearly without, you know, fumbling around with your mobile phone. Uh, and, and we agreed after the discussion that everybody should have physical prints cards printouts of the army list especially because we had quite a few quite new players and and uh, of course it's also good that that it's faster with a physical copy mm -hmm. and and now with games are taking longer so you, you don't want to waste time at all but of course if you can't even help trust to print it output of your army it certainly is an issue and and of course many pl many players are confused about the rules changing and units being updated so confusion reigns i'm sure mm. yeah um it's a very interesting it's a very interesting one and yeah i think i think newer players are going to struggle or one of the things that me and carlo hate you say that but like newer players Wouldn't won't know. know that it's yeah. wrong yeah that's true 
Right, that's right, like true. you'll just play what it says. Yes. Right. If it's a new um, player playing against an older player, and you're like, "Hang on," the older player goes, "That's not right." Um, that kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, the reason, so the reason that me and Carlo, I think the big thing for me and Carlo on this front, uh, I do speak for Carlo in sense in some ways here, is that misinformation is the one thing that me and Carlo hate. Like the whole point of Tourney Ground is to try and provide people with the right information where we can. And yes, sometimes mm. we don't make, yes, every now and then we make a mistake, right? Um, but actually providing people with what is correct and how things should be done in regards to not rules, but like the game, the news, what's happening, that we try and keep as unbiased as we can, but also, you know, truthful. And this makes yeah, it I, hard. I think that it's super important for any competitive community that everybody's playing from the same playbook. Like, I've always said that, like, you know, whatever it is, I'd, I'd rather... I've talked about this extensively when it comes to, like, you know, like, um, you know, community balance, right? Like, that that's a big thing that people always wanted, uh, like, when there's long periods of, um, of, of no changes, when people talk about imbalance in the game and stuff like that. I would rather we played a less balanced version of the game and we were all on the same page, right? Like everybody knew what was official. Everybody knew what was correct. Everybody knew what the rules were rather than we got to improve the game. But some people play the community balance. Some people play the real game. Some people play the official one. Some people play some variant. Everybody different group has its own house rules. That's like... That, that, that's a death sentence for any kind of competitive community. A competitive community, however good the game is, needs to play from the same playbook. It needs to play from the same rules. Everybody needs to be on the same page so that you can turn up to an event and it's like every other event that you've played at. Yeah, there may be variants, but the point is, is that it's very specifically like stated, like this is our variant when you, you know, we will play these modes or... We will play with random terrain. We won't play with random terrain. Even things as simple as that, like that the rule book states that there isn't a standard on terrain is already like enough that it annoys me. You know, I don't mind which way it goes. I don't care which one's better. I don't care which one's worse. I would rather there was a standardization. And I already find it difficult that there are different groups, particularly around the UK. Some of them prefer random terrain. Some of them prefer none. Almost not. They all assume that theirs is normal. And so when they run a tournament, they never think it worthwhile stating which one it is, even though I personally believe it can have quite a big impact upon the game. And then one of the first questions you always find people asking about a tournament is, oh, by the way, is this random terrain or is this selected terrain? And so that's even just the tiniest, tiniest little ruling. When you blow that out into terms of like, whole balance rebalances, whole rule changes for certain commanders, certain factions, certain things like that, then you understand how it can become an absolute nightmare for anybody to try and play in an event with people that they've never played before. And that just means that we can't kind of play a good, we can't have a competitive community that is like actually engaged with each other. We end up with like isolated pockets of people playing different games. So I've always said, Worse game with more standardization is my preferred route. And it's a really big problem if we don't, if we lose what was our one 
almost perfect benchmark of standardization, which is you can rely on war council, even if it's slow, to be right. Um, you guys say that the actual, because I am running the test flight version on my iPhone, which has these errors, as you're saying, but I, that is test flight. So they are expecting us now to give them feedback. But is it the, really the official app? Is that also containing these same errors? As far as I'm aware, the okay. official app. The, so the problem is, I don't, I don't know the iOS system. Right, I'm going to straight up say I, that. I can't see the update yeah. of the official app, so it's only in the test flight mode. So I, it, it, it's a beta version. Yeah, the actual. So the actual problem is that um, I don't know how they manage the test flight and beta versions of the game because right. I believe that the beta version is the one that I'm using. But most people will be using test flight or beta because of the changes that they made. Mm. Um, what's interesting is I don't think this is a beta. Right. I think this is the full release. <laughs> as far well, as I'm we'll aware. see. Coming coming to these house rules, I think that's the longest debate ongoing in our community as well. And I, I've always wanted to shy away from those things, and I kind of trust Simon mm -hmm. uh, to fix these things. A couple of things come to my mind. Um, Red Cloak's release and the charge being two different actions, pretty mm -hmm. obviously. And we were, or everybody in our community was, no way. No way charges two actions, because do not. And yeah. I, I, think we, I think we played it as one action, and very soon we saw that they fixed it in the next FAQ. And the last time I, was, time I was talking with you guys and we were going nuts about this NCU situation not being able to pass, and they fixed it mm -hmm. quite quite rapidly. I, which hey, is good. Timo, I think so you'll I, find... I kind of rather... I rather <laughs> just... I think you'll even, find... If it's not that blatant, then we'll just no house rules, and yeah. if there's a problem, they will fix it. That's That's my... Viewpoint. I think I think you find they didn't fix the uh, the NCU problem because people mentioned it. I think you find that they already noticed that problem and it was just an old old document that was uploaded. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh huh, uh huh. Do you believe that story? <laughs> um, <laughs> problems. I think I think that the red cloaks is a really interesting one. So yeah. you know that that is that is where my view becomes quite a hard line, which other people disagree with, right? That's where my view gets taken to the extreme, which is as far as I was concerned, the rules as written were that it was two actions. We had people who had close connections to Simon all telling us, no, that's not how it's supposed to work, right? But my hard line view is the community must play what the rules say. And, and, you know, my view was that up until the day where they changed it to be one action, where they changed the actual rules, it wasn't an FAQ, it was an errata of the rules to change the way the rules work. Mm. Up until that day, I played Red Cloaks as two actions, and I would always have ruled Red Cloaks charging as two actions. Um, I was happy when they made it one. It wasn't that I believed that they should be two. It wasn't that I believed that that was the better variant of the game or anything like that. But that was um, 
that was what the rules said. And in my mind, the community must play what the rules say unless there's a particular that is, In the end of the day, on. that is better. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually better but, for us because in the end of the day, they said, this is a problem. It's causing confusion. It's being played incorrectly because that's what people think it says. So we have to correct it. The game, exactly. the game was actually made better because of that ruling. Right. And I don't mean from balance. I mean, the overall game as a structure was then better simply because they made that ruling and it made the whole thing make sense. Cold, made cold, hands, not, cold hands not giving a minus one on a, on a charge anymore. <laughs> Disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> cold, hands, cold hands didn't feel like he got better in that update. <laughs> no, but the, what I mean to say is the interactions, mate. Like, it made sense with the way that the rules were written. Um, sort of, but what I'm saying is I, I've actually watched um, a lot of players be confused by the fact that cold hands, so this is kind of the knock-on effect, the ramification, which is maybe not even that widely known. Cold hands can only use his order of, of Raven's flock against a, a melee attack and a charge or an attack, because actually. of that ruling is not a melee attack. Very specifically, it is a charge action. Not Sorry, I think, and his and his wording is when it performs an attack action, but you don't perform an attack action during a charge anymore. You perform a charge action, which results in a melee attack. Very specifics of the wording. Again, it could even be an unintended consequence that they didn't realize. But the point is, is that is the way the game works now. And again, as I say, whether it's an intended consequence or not. As the rules are written, my hardline view is, well, he can't use it on charges. It, it doesn't charges, say melee action. It's, it just it's any attack. attack action. Yeah, but a charge isn't an attack. Yeah. Which is, it could... works against ranged attack too. It does work against ranged. Yes, but... yes. but it, it works on everything but a charge. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Which does feel silly. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but that's... that's... That's the way it goes. I... Rule, rules as written. That's no, rules as written. Rules I understand written. it. I understand it, though. It makes complete sense. When you're running to a charge, the ravens come down, but they can't, like, you're faster than the ravens, so you outrun them. That's what it is. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah, that, okay. That's what <laughs> you not, tell your children as a bedtime story. The ravens yeah. are slow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That's a good one. <laughs> um,. Anyway, shall we move on? <laughs> we should move on. We should move on. Um, we should move on, and we'll move on to um, a little bit of news that I want to talk about before we get to Timu's event. Um, we'll come on to Timu's event in very short period of time, though. Uh, Adepticon, as far as I'm aware, registration is now closed. Right, it closed at the end of February. Last Monday was the last day you could buy tickets. Um, as far as I'm aware, you can't register for the event now. There's a waiting list you can register for. I don't know if that means they're likely to use it. Um, so we know event. Uh, we know Adepticon numbers. Um, Adepticon numbers are as follows. We've got, zoom in for you guys on screen as well, 10 people for the Fist of the First Men event, um, 10 people for the team tournament, uh, 8 tickets for demos. That's cool. It's cool that people are going to get demos of the game. Uh, on the mark on the that'll be the saturday i think the 25th might be the sunday uh friday sorry um 16 sold for the championship tournament and another eight for the demos on that day and finally eight tickets for the last day of adepticon friendlies um 
it's I don't want to sound negative. It's not great. Um, 16 tickets for a 64-man event is a quarter of the capacity that they were hoping to get. Um, it's, I mean, to, to put it in perspective, Timu, how many people did you have at your event? 18. So a local event happening in Helsinki, Finland, is bigger than Adeptocon is going to be in terms of A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, that's a problem, right? That's a problem, not from the nationals side of it and like uh, invitations to nationals and things like that. That's actually not important. It's a problem because Adepticon's a massive convention. It's a massive convention that gets massive attention across the US uh, and a lot of other Western countries, you know, outside of the likes of some of the big European events. This is probably one of the next biggest events for Europeans. And for the US, it is the biggest event of the season. And to have A Song of Ice and Fire so small at such a big event is not good in terms of image. And that's the worrying thing. Think about this. Uh, our Facebook community for Song of Ice and Fire here in Finland mm -hmm. has 73 people. Yeah. And 18 joined in. So that's 25% of all the players in Finland. Yeah. Now, would I expect them to get close to 64? No, there's obviously still COVID issues in the US. There's still travel concerns. There's all kinds of other issues going on in the US at the moment. And US is much bigger than, like, European view, European view that we have, uh, certainly the UK, the US is the size of Europe. You know, that would be like mm -hmm. saying, let's have an event at, um, oh, what's the big one? Essen. Let's have a, a Song of Ice and Fire tournament at Essen Spiel. Can we get 64 players to Essen Spiel? The truth of the matter is, you could probably get more than 16. Could you get 64 though i actually do think you might struggle to hit 64 in ashen because i don't know if that many people from like france the uk uh scandinavian countries um even spain italy i don't know if that many people for the song of ice and fire community will travel for an event in essen but i would make a weekend of it to go to essen essen's great right me too yeah um and if it was the and if it was you know um touted as the biggest event of the season it would definitely get a lot of hits i think um but it is a big issue that adapticon only got 16 players i do hope more actually end up playing in, in the event i do hope the event ends up being bigger um but it is an issue because it's events like this in the us which will dictate a lot of popularity for the game and the support the game gets um i'm happy <laughs> that the gt the london gt we will probably be like the second largest or joints maybe third largest event at the london gt which is that one of the largest gaming conventions in the uk um Mm -hmm. the, we, I mean, we're never going to hit 40k numbers. 40k is obviously the beast. 
No, the, the London GT claims that um, it's going to be the biggest ever 40K event this year. Yes. Uh, in the world. Yeah. It, it claims that it will be the biggest ever 40K event that has ever run. They think they're going to break 1,000 players. Yeah. Wow. Um, and Sigmar, was Sigmar the second biggest? What was the second biggest uh, last year? Last, last year, Age of Sigmar is the second most popular game. Yeah. Yes. But it wasn't much more than we're looking to get here, right? It was... No, the like Age of Sigmar, well, last year it hit about 150 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, about 100, I think it was 200. I think, off the top of my head. It might have been 200 tickets sold or something, but then I think, yeah, something mm -hmm. less. But we're, I think genuinely, A Song of Ice and Fire is the third largest game. At, uh, it was last GT. year. Last time around, we, yeah. we managed to be the third largest system there. It's interesting, you know, like, it, um, yeah. I, I often, I personally often compare it to Star Wars Legion and um, a Marvel Crisis Protocol, right? Yeah. They are the most comparable in terms of player base, in terms of appeal, I would say, like, crossover appeal into a main, mainstream IP. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Legion is actually a very similar game. It's one of the reasons why I've never bothered to play legion because i think that legion is actually quite a good game too is because i think that they are both so similar in the way that they play the way that they build all those kind of things that like i don't see why i would ever want to bother playing both of these games myself um but it seems that we at the gt in the past last year and hopefully again it looks like this year you know We've managed to make a community that massively outperforms the MCP community and the Legion community in terms of size and participation for the LGT particularly. Um, but that doesn't that isn't true everywhere. Like that definitely isn't true everywhere. And I think that there are a lot of places where those games are becoming significantly more popular, significantly better growth. Over the past couple of years, um, throughout COVID, come out much stronger the other side of it than they went in, um, and that is that is a little bit worrying because there is only so much space in the tabletop community. Like, it it's not unlimited, right? Like, say to say to say that one game, only one game can be successful is not true at all. But particularly when we're talking about games that are vying to be the third most important game in in a community um outside of the gw stranglehold that particularly exists in the uk right and also mo most of europe right less so in the us because gw prices you guys get rinsed <laughs> gw for anybody who doesn't know gw is way cheaper over here <laughs> Everybody else in the world gets absolutely rinsed. It's, cra uh, but... it's crazy, right? Because we would still call GW one of the most expensive game systems in the UK. Yeah. And it's yeah. cheaper here than it is in the US, which says everything about US. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And Australia, but, man. Still, oh. It is the number one game everywhere in the world, effectively. Um, everybody else competes to be like, can I get close to being as big as Age of Sigmar, which is like the second rate game for Games Workshop. Um, and I think that's a really important place to be. It's a place that um, War Machine was for a very, very long time. Um, 
possibly Guild. even at times more more you know more players than fantasy had it was possibly took the took the role as being the second biggest tabletop game in the world Guildball did third. a good job Guildball did a but um, it's very important to be the biggest game that isn't games workshop because lots of people want to play the biggest game that's not games workshop because they don't want to play games workshop games right and i think that um places where you can be that will just create more growth and places where you're sitting as the sixth, seventh, eighth biggest game in any big, any given convention, any given area, even in like a big store, you're the fifth most popular game at the store because people play 40k, they play Age of Sigmar, then they play some people play MCP that can be very popular in certain stores. A lot of people play Bolt Action, and then some people play um, some people play a Song of Ice and Fire. I think that it's such a such a hard thing to build i I do think it's such a hard thing to build a community um and uh and 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 i really hope and wish that adepticon could be bigger and hope that that the nationals that we're building to in the u.s will create growth not um not um make people look at that game and think that's not really succeeding i'm gonna stick with the game that i'm at this is um, this is where you know I think a lot of people say that we uh, we hate the U.S. Right? Uh, people think that we hate the U.S. But this is actually part of the problem that we see with the way that we we see the marketing for the U.S. Right? In that in the U.K. people celebrating success and people celebrating games is obviously always a good thing, right? It's obviously great. It doesn't matter how big a tournament is, then celebrate that you know celebrate the fact that you had an event and that people turned up and it was good fun which you know most events are indeed yeah what's actually frustrating certainly from a uk perspective is when we see an event given massive kudos for something it wasn't um and that has a negative impact in the uk it actually has that massive backlash in the uk if you oversell an event as saying it was amazing then a lot of people in the uk go Ah, you're making it up. You're talking bullshit. And it actually puts people off. It has a negative impact. Um, You'd be surprised at how much of a negative impact it can have. You are better off by saying, look, we had lots of people and it was good. than you are saying, look, here's these 20 people who had the most amazing time at the largest event you've ever seen. Because people just look at it and say, oh, yeah, but I won't find any players. And that's where uh, Bits, Bitchin Cats, God. Horrible name to say when you're trying to say it quickly. Um, his comment really rings true, actually, and it's really interesting in that the game hasn't got traction in the US in the way that we would think it might. And the fact that 40k, obviously, and Legion are much bigger um, in their areas that he plays in. Now, that might just be his local area, um, but the point is that says everything. And, you know, I, I do think that being more honest, being like, right, we're going to go grow the community, have these local events, support the local events, because there's something we can aim for is what Simon wants to do with nationals. And it will work. But it's hard to get over the. In some ways, mistakes of the past mm. um, that I think they have to face. And I do I do view them as mistakes. Um, and that's nothing against the community as itself. Not again, nothing against the players and nothing against the. Can I can I just have you try his name again? <laughs> try his name again. Bitchin Cats. I'm pretty sure it's Bitchin. 
No, bitchin' bit cats. cats. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. No, you are right. It probably is bitchin'. <laughs> I forgot the bitchin'. <laughs> bitchin' cats. Bitchin'. I'm going to call him Chin from now on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Maybe, cat, maybe cats can tell us which way, which way around it is. Put the hyphens <laughs> in. Tell us, tell us where the pronunciation lies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, other people saying, um, Abyskius saying that Infinity has seen a lot of growth where he is. Abyskius is uh, yeah. Canadian. Uh, Infinity has... Infinity is weird. Infinity feels like it's been around for a long time. And it's just kind of like been filtering around and it's picked up War Machine players, it's picked up Guild Ball players, mm. it's picking up other mm. players from other systems and it's weirdly gaining ground but it doesn't feel like the community's growing a lot. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those slow It doesn't have games. wide appeal but it no. has very dedicated uh, players. I, I honestly wonder what people think of Song outside of the Song community. Like, I don't, want, I don't know if they think that it an incredibly small niche game that has dedicated players or they think it's a casual game that like people who just aren't into games play because it's attached to the song ip and they think that it's just like people who like lore and it's a narrative game or what like i have no idea what they think it is and a lot of like a lot of the way you present a big event like adepticon really does help shape what people outside of the general community think about the game. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it varies person to person and stuff like that, but there must be an overarching opinion of what people who play people who play tabletop games think of when they think of A Song of Ice and Fire, right? Like, we all have these relatively strong stereotypes, you know? Like, I, I see Infinity players as uh, pretty competitive, um, orientated players, um, very fast-paced competition-style game. I see 40, 40k players as just like entry level players. Um, you know, they're just they're just people, right? Like everybody plays 40k at some point. Like if you if you don't play 40k, if you've never played a game of 40k, do you even play tabletop games? Right. Unless you're historicals uh, and only, you know. <laughs> that's the only exactly. other way in, basically. <laughs> well, exactly. And then and then on the other end you got, you know, you, you got your opinion of bolt action players, which is people who really don't want change they don't even want balance necessarily in my opinion they don't want change for the for the benefit of balance they don't care anything about the competitive side of the game all my opinions my stereotypes what they want is they want strong narrative play they want to be able to recreate battles that they've you know that they've read about and they want to enact them out they want it to have good game fundamentals but they're not min maxes at all what they want is they want to put you know cool things from history onto the table um and 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 i have no concept what people's stereotype of a song of ice and fire would be mm-hmm. in our in our community in the club i'm playing we have like 120 members and also in this event we had a bit more than a hundred players playing like seven different games mm-hmm. over the weekend, including a bolt action tournament. And we do run regular tournaments on bolt action too. And I guess at our club, obviously there are cliques that play mainly uh, War Machine hordes, or they play Infinity, or or they play Song of Ice and Fire, for example. But Many of us are playing several games, and um, 
so it's we are war gamers. We enjoy a good game system. Of course, with Song of Ice and Fire, as I suppose it's it's been said a hundred times, we also have many players that are coming are coming over from trading card games they used to play mm. for Song of Ice and Fire and, and so forth, or Game of Thrones. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, some other people in chat saying it's a lot of people um coming over from fantasy as well. Um sure. so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the card gamer crossover appeal, the board gamer crossover appeal is is where the success in song can be seen, but uh, but it's it's interesting, it's so yeah, I mean where 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 does the community go next? Where does it grow? Um we will have to see where we feel we're at post US nationals. Hopefully, it will be significantly, significantly bigger than last time. Hopefully, that will be some kind of indicator of growth for the game in the US, you know. Yeah. But growth in the US is not worldwide growth. Um, Europe Good start, but... has, Europe has, in my experience, you know, like, and obviously, people, um, people, have their focus around certain places. The game is significantly more popular in Europe than it is in the US. From from what let's I can see tell. in one year's time when we're getting now yeah. getting rid of uh, COVID. Because mm. obviously, years of COVID ha- has really really stopped arranging like t- bigger tournaments like this. Like last year, we had to cancel mm-hmm. our Winter War event, which has always been the biggest. World gaming tournament event in Finland with, I think, uh, the biggest events we've had been 150 plus players, and and now we were 100. Mm-hmm. So it, we're coming back, and and of course, same same thing all around. I think uh, yeah. I think you're gonna have to issue a quick apology, Carlo, uh, to Finley Ames. He collects a few 40k models, but he's never played 40k, so apparently he doesn't exist. No, no, I, I hold by my statement. <laughs> Sorry, you... Finley. Fit, Finley, like you, you, we all yeah. seen him, but we don't really believe in him. Yeah, fit, fit, Finley, you are a board game player, supposedly. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never played 40k, you're not a tabletop player. You must be a board gamer. <laughs> but now you're playing tabletop games, so that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, also, yeah, Finley, feel free to send us a picture of you just to make sure that you do exist. Um, this is going to one of those pictures of someone on a beach that's like a model, and you're like. Ah, this guy, this guy doesn't exist. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I think I think the team's point is really, really yeah, important. That it. like we're we're phasing out of it. It, it feels like I've said it or I've felt it for such a long time, and it is still it. And at some point, it's not going to be it anymore. Which is the the coming out of COVID period is such a unique and important time for the growth of particularly these more niche games right like 40k will always bounce back but not all games will survive this period more importantly this period will establish what is the new more dominant game and if the game can see really good activity like not even growth like i'm not i'm not necessarily saying like you have to have loads of new players what you need is all the current players to want to play it be active be at events have big showings at big events where people take interest and care if it has a big presence at these events 
then that is what will drive people to think. People love, you know, uh, social confirmation as it is. They love to see other people playing a game and think, yes, this game has life. Yes, this game has a future. Yes, this game must be interesting and exciting. Look how many people are playing it. Um, so the more you can do, the more active you can be in this period of people coming out and looking to discover new games or see what's hot now, now that they've not really been like on the competitive side of gaming, not being able to go to conventions for the past couple of years, all these kind of things. It's been sort of true for the last six months of the last year, maybe, you know, depending on your country, most of all of last year, it's true all of this year. This will establish the lifetime, the lifespan of a song like Fire, in my opinion, as yeah. to whether or not it is a thing that Simon wants to take forward for as long as we could imagine, or it just slowly becomes a niche game that uh, like doesn't really have full support from the company. Aren't they pushing now for organized play, finally? Absolutely, yeah. I think, I think that organized play is here yeah uh i i i i wish it had been uh this a year ago but they were obviously very very covid um kind of adverse shall we say very very standoff with their involvement in the competitive community um a year ago believing that like they didn't i guess they didn't want to like really endorse any convention um that then may need to be cancelled for COVID, may have like COVID-based backlashes. You know, there was a lot of backlash, I think, around uh, Gen Con last year, like the actual official Gen Con or Adepticon last year. I forget which one. One of them ended up, because of its on, because it went online only, ended up with all sorts of controversy around it. Hopefully that's all behind us. Um, and uh, yeah, like I, I, think, I, think, I think that they have the right plan uh i we can only hope that the implementation turns out right absolutely yeah and i think that like you like you guys said that there is this attraction and that's what was a good thing about our event that we had a two-day event but then there was like 80 plus other people playing other games but they obviously all saw mm -hmm. us playing it and there were many people contacting and coming in and asking what's the game and now now, what I kind of saw was that earlier, let's say a year ago, we were, we were playing at the club. People were coming like, what is this game? I've never heard about this. Mm -hmm. Now they were coming. I've, I've been thinking about starting this. Yeah. Clearly a change. Now people yeah. know. And, and uh, yeah, looking forward. I, I think we will grow mm -hmm. quite yeah. a bit here. That, and that is... That is exactly what it's about, isn't it? And that's that's what we saw at the GT last year. Um, we saw players coming and playing, watching the game for the first time, seeing the game for the first time, or had heard about it. And I won't say there were tons of people coming over, but people did come over and they did look at it. And there's a massive 40k event going on, right? They're coming over, they're talking about it. One guy who came over actually ended up really getting into, was chatting about the games and things like that, saying he's got friends that kind of like he thinks want to play it he actually straight up said to us at one point i think i'm going to play in this next year i'm going to pick this up rather than play 40k because i don't really enjoy 40k that much <laughs> um and it's, it's stuff like that it's like you know great fantastic it's fan what you want more players um so yeah 
Uh, one other thing I did want to bring up, which is what Carl had said earlier in the in the chat, um, and it is something that we don't respect so much, and it is some concern for Gen Con, is that the US is very big, and attending these cons is expensive. Now, I'm going to trust Carl on this, so if any, if I'm incorrect, it's not my fault, it's Carl's fault, I haven't done any research, but Carl's saying to attend... Just like usual. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, Carl is saying that it can cost up to nearly a grand to attend a Gen Con weekend. Um, once you account for hotel bookings, once you account for travel, because, of course, in the US, you'll probably get a flight to save time. Um, to save time, yeah, I'd hope so. Coming yeah, exactly. From, <laughs> coming from the West Coast. Yeah. Um. So if that is the case, if it's costing you nearly a grand to attend the weekend, that's a very different set of questions rather than the maybe two or three hundred pounds it costs for us to go down to uh, the GT. Um, so that is worth considering. Um, and that might affect Gen Con, it might affect Adepticon more so just because of the ridiculous hotel prices because of the size of the events, right? Um, yeah, yeah, that's the problem. John Caspian in chat, before we move on to, to Teamers event, we had 20 players for a casual game day last Sunday at Gigabytes Cafe in Atlanta. Um, so they have some form of community going there, which is good, and that's what we like to hear. Um, so it is good to know that the game is growing there, and he thinks he's got the game, has got lots of growth potential. John, keep it up. Uh, I assume you're like raising the community up there and doing a good job there, so honestly, great. Uh, I'll also give Ian a shout-out for the work that he does at Fabricators Forge, right? Because um, Ian does a, a really good job at doing stuff at Fabricators. Mm -hmm. um, convenient time to talk about communities, really, isn't it? It's a very convenient time to talk about communities because we've got one right here. Me and Carlo don't count as community members. We don't have We, we don't have a community, Mickey. We have, we have a couple of people that we play against. If, anyone, <laughs> if anyone's ever seen the Australian comedy where they talk about... Um, we're going to tow the boat outside of the environment. Uh, me and Carlo, we're not in the community. We're outside of the community. Uh, we're not in our own community. We're removed from it. Uh, outside community. But um, yeah, Timu, obviously your community. Uh, I think it's this one. Hey, yes. First guest, first try. Yes, perfect. Uh, I'm going to have to move this because this poor guy in the red shirt, I've got his head in view. There we go. Right. Um, He's out of ball. He's the winner. Oh, he's the winner. Oh, we'll cover his yep. head in and we'll make it look like you. Well done for winning <laughs> the event, Timu. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, tell us how it went. Well, first things first, um, 18 out of 18 players showed up. We had a one cancellation like a week before, but then another guy who was like in a waiting list jumped in. And, and that was a very, very good show up. I think it was the best compared to the other games except a couple of those small games where there were like less than 10 people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and that was really nice because as a TO, I would have hated for many people to drop out in the final moments and, and uh, have to do like, have have an unequal number of players. I don't, I don't like that at all. So I, I was very pleased with that. Um, all the players, and there was a huge 
gap or the difference in in uh, in the experience of the players. There were people who had played like less than five games, mm-hmm. and now they played five games over the weekend, and 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 they were really just learning the ropes. But everybody was enjoying. That's the fe- feedback I got, and that's what I saw. I, I really enjoyed all of my five games. Mm-hmm. One, three out of them, but that didn't really matter because. And when we, a good example or a good testimony for this is that we had a vote for who was the nicest opponent, mm-hmm. and 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 the the guy who won it got two votes mm-hmm. <laughs> out of eighteen players. That's insane. Uh, so many, so many players were voted as the nicest opponent, and and I think that is telling a lot about the events. I will, I'll cut in there and actually say something about that. Um. I don't know if it's the game or the communities that help get fostered by the game and the players, obviously, uh, arranging all this. But it is a very common theme that I have seen in a Song of Ice and Fire tournaments, where the vast majority of the time, essentially, you know, depending on the voting system used, that basically everybody gets somebody say to them, you were my best opponent, like, I enjoyed playing you the most out of anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think there's basically been a, when we do the systems, we get them to like vote, not necessarily for one. You might vote for more than one. Yeah. Um. Just and then you count the votes at the end or whatever. But in those cases, if you do it like that, very rarely does anybody not get a vote. Obviously, if you're only voting one person each, it's very hard. Someone probably might not get one just because you only get one choice, and the chance mm. of everyone picking somebody else is even. Rare. I got a vote. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Right. I mean, who would vote for you? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Very nice watch. <laughs> so yeah, it's really good. It's really, really good. And it, it's actually just a shout out, not to anybody in particular, but every every player of the game just seems to be nice, which is just yeah. really nice. Because I've met some horrible mm. players of other game systems, mm. absolute assholes. Except Carlo, he's the only person who plays this game system who's an asshole. Um, this Carlo, guy wearing it with pride. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, go on. Anyway, keep going. Well, yeah, we got some prize support from probably like the only Finnish wargaming store that actually has has this product. It's called Uswa Games, Mist Games. Mm-hmm. They don't have a physical store, so even from there we have to order. <laughs> but but it, since in Finland we get the stuff very very fast, and now we have a good cooperation running. Uh, they they are like telling us in the Facebook room that now we have this stuff coming. Do you like to like a pre-book? What do you want to have? And that's really nice. And I was obviously not very happy about the fact that I did get no reply from from Simon mm-hmm. organized play contact or email. So that would have been nice. Um, yeah, we had people from all around from Finland. The one who came from furthest away was like 620 kilometers away from Oulu. Wow. So wow. that was cheap to do. And and he said that so far I've only played with my little brother and TTS because there's no one else in his town. Mm-hmm. But I, I think he was uh, encouraged. He was actually the guy who was chosen as the most nicest opponent. All right. So he will probably keep on promoting it in his, his own wargaming community. That's nice. And um, yeah, what else? 
it, it felt good to play um, Nightwatch without feeling guilt. So that mm-hmm. was good. Yeah. And the one funny detail was if if you look at what it was what was the ranking on which factions were on top six, it's only Free Folk and Greyjoy. And it was a kind of funny thing because oh, wow. my our players were asking that uh, can we play play uh, the Frozen Shore Bears? Mm-hmm. And and we, we ruled that since it's not in a sort of stats where we are using to build the armies, sorry, you can't use them. Because obviously we wanted to show the actual list to all the players mm-hmm. and not have any anything sort of replacing that. But in the end, the Free Folk won the tournament. Uh, all three Free Folk players were in top six. So I think they did quite fine without the Bears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think, I think you probably did them a favor. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know for sure they wanted to use bears they're, they're great models everybody loves them they are they do look really i can't wait to get some they look really good that's 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 right of course why we have these players uh in a top ranking these are the players that have played the most mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. um and then of course uh outside the top three from place four until place, what is it? With with eleven points until place nine, mm-hmm. we're all at eleven points, including myself. So it it really went down to secondary points. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, after that, really, it is it's a toss up, isn't it? Really, at that point, yeah. Um, in terms of ordering, in terms of like how each individual game went, rather than whether it was win or lose per se. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's good. And then I really wanted to run a five-game event to mm-hmm. come up with more difference in the scoring because if you run three-game event, you lose one game or you do badly in one game, there's no way you're going to win. And and uh, I lost my first game. <laughs> um, my uh, my veterans, Nightwatch veterans with Othel, Hardenet, they were basically one shot in one one turn. First, they were hit full with the Hiving Bomb NCU, and right after that, with a Lance Cavalry attack. Even if they were standing on uh, on a swamp, even if I had cold hands, <laughs> I, I guess I played wrong because I gave them the minus one, even if it was a charge. And you still died. And you still died. Still fucking died. So. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought I had laid a great trap to get them there and minus two to hit no rerolls. You did leave get a good them trap. Down. Yeah, yeah, for myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting. I mean, we'll talk about meta and stuff in a second in terms of like what you found worked, what didn't work. Obviously, Free Folk and Greyjoy doing very well. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. My I mean, lesson. Hardest, her, hardest lesson I learned was I was playing my Jon Snow's list, list with two units of uh, ranger hunters and then something else. Mm-hmm. And I had Baylor in Silenced Man, mm-hmm. giving them hard in it, giving them we're not, never going to die rule. Yeah. And, and then this NCU that is making them giants. Yeah. And oh boy, did I try to kill them. Yeah. Once, I, once I did... Spamming. 
spamming multiple attacks against that unit is never going to get through them. You need some you auto need wounds. Auto wounds. Expert duelist, strangely enough. Expert <laughs> duelist, indeed, <laughs> indeed. I hit with nine attacks, cost one wound. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. I think ba- Baylor in uh, Baylor and Silence Man is becoming a lot of people's go-to, shall we call it? You know, yeah. uh, the hardened, the hardened for the real hits. Also, you can throw in uh, oh, what's his name, uh, Baron, Baron, right? Mm. There's so many names beginning with B that are almost the same. Baron, Black Tide, who's the influence to half those if you need it. Actually, kind of optional, can be placed elsewhere. Once you start to see that the um, the silenced men also bring a lot of morale resistance too. So your problem if you put bear, um, if you put Balon into a unit more like um, Iron Makers or something else, that once somebody forces through one wound, they can really multiply their damage with morale-based panic damage. But the silenced men really provide that other dynamic of being very panic resistant at the same time. So. Uh, they they they're a real nightmare for a lot of people to deal with. Uh, with a real offensive output too, they they seem to be a lot of people's go to and something that uh, you know when I when I become uh, a little uh, Greyjoy fanboy like everybody else, I'll definitely give a go because uh, they definitely they were, seem exciting to play. There were eight games played with Baylor, looking at the mm-hmm. stats, mm-hmm. and seven games were won out of those eight. Oh, wow! So that's eighty-eight percent win rate. But then again, we have a one hundred percent win rates with. <laughs> Dormund Giant Spain, Stur Magnar of Ten, and Asha Greyjoy. Okay, only one game for Asha. Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing that... here is that there were eight games played with Baylor yeah. and seven yeah. one, seven victories. And, uh, it's, that's, I mean, we could argue that the Tormund four games, 100% win rate, but if you look at the like players, I actually think that Tormund, well, I'll be interested to see who played him the most. But, um, Tormund, Tormund. Presumably yeah. across a single player, right? You three, know, like... of, three of them were on one player. So yeah, that's more... Exactly. That, and he's the winner of our tournament. Yeah. So that's more dictated by player skill, I would argue, yeah. as much as it is the commander yes. itself. Steer at two plays, yeah. again, is statistically low, and so is Asher, but Baylor at eight plays, an 88% win rate, and in comparison, Mance at nine plays, with five wins as a comparable other. Baylor's looking good. Baylor is looking mm-hmm. strong. Um, yeah, ba- those strong. Baylor eight games, it sees it sees play across all three of the high-rated Greyjoy players: second place, third place, and sixth place. They're all playing Baron, so that's eight wins, yeah. seven out of eight wins for those players, spread across multiple people, showing that a lot of you know a lot of different people doing really really well with Baron. Um, yes. So, yeah, I think I think that Baron could be a real. A real challenger for you know actual big event wins, you know. Indeed, mm-hmm. indeed, definitely. Yeah, and yeah, that's. Uh, I just want to point out that's really sad. Roos, Roos Lannisters, which was a actually quite a dominant force in 2021, um, as like the second Lannister list after the Faith compa- version. Um, a depressing 33% win rate. Um, mm. The control and, like you say, the Tywin bombs and stuff like that, just they're not bad, but maybe they're just not good I think enough. Just, I, I think Panic is just now such a uh, such a dice game. So it's such a dice game, and that 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 list relies on Panic so heavily. Um, 
that it's not as reliable as other sources. Yeah. Do, do you think think Timo for yourself that the the battle game was the most difficult? Uh, was he was he the toughest list that you faced? Sorry, which one? Um, well, you faced you faced Baylor in yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah. Right? You think was that was that your biggest biggest problem? Uh, what was the what did the other loss come to? And um, obviously, Free Folk went and took the win. Do you feel like the Free Folk lists um, were piloted better, or do you think that uh, they're just really really strong lists that just are quite meta defining right now? The guy who won the game, uh, the tournament, Johannes, he's always played, he's only ever played Free Folk, and um, he's always run by, like almost like anti metalists. Mm-hmm. He's been playing Giants all along, he's been playing a lot of with Stuart Magnar, and but, but now he was, I guess, mostly playing with uh, Tormund. Yeah, but there is uh, the big guys there and, and so forth. But but he's he has really honed his game with with this kind of el- more elite kind of list. He often even plays like seven activations or something like that with free folk. This list has eight activations, and I think it's it's a pretty damn good list. Yeah, but this, but he he's played it a lot. So this tournament list has a couple of change, like one or two changes that I made. But I do genuinely think is a very good tournament list. It's the one that Carlo you played against. Um, Mm-hmm. And it, I do think it's got a lot of strength to it. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's a good list. I straight away think, yeah, that's that's got the good backbone of a list. And the steer list looks. I don't like the cave dwellers personally. Um, I don't. I just don't think cave dwellers are that good. Um, but they are an absolute meme if you're running steer because of final strike. <laughs> um final strike if you yeah by the way guys for any free folk players out there i know that we have this moment but cave dweller savages with chosens of steer so that you can wound your own units causing auto wounds back to your opponent when you lose ranks with final strike it's possible that you charge in maybe do like two or three hits to yourself maybe auto wounds your opponent hits back and if it's a big hit like a lance cavalry charge they might kill your unit but they'll take like a bunch of auto wounds and then they'll take final strike and go, okay, there you go. Take that in the mouth. Um, it's a pretty meme thing to do, but it is funny. Um, yeah, but no, I, personally, that's... Yeah, I, I can see his lists. I can see how they work. Um, so I, I no bone about that, why they've done well there. Um, a good player piloting lists there, which look good. Indeed. He's not completely that's... memed. He hasn't taken a savage giant. He hasn't completely memed. <laughs> Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, no. And well, he's also well. one of the most nicest players uh, to yeah. play against, and uh, so I, I think he he certainly de- deserved the victory. Um, what we also see is that uh, quite a few players had one list with three NCUs and one li- list with two NCUs. Mm-hmm. My list uh, one had two and one had sort of two and then Jilly. So <laughs> yeah, two points. Uh, Something two point fifteen, <laughs> <laughs> or depending on how many rounds you play. But um, yeah, so that that certainly had an impact mm-hmm. impact for sure. I, I don't know if, if it's a meta shift, but uh, yeah, I, I do. People... I do personally wonder if we are. I, I I am keeping a very close eye myself. I I of course quite skewed towards the TTS games that I've been watching. Um, 
which which comes from a relatively small number of players, right? Like, you know, not not that many people are playing on TTS, not that many people specifically are playing on TTS and and go live and stream, right? So, you know, it's it's a relatively small sample size, but I am seeing people tending towards doing well with seven activation lists. Now, we are seeing that maybe we have actually finally hit the point where cheap spam units are being deleted fast enough by powerful pieces, particularly Lance Cavalry. They're getting chewed off the board quickly enough, and the game going on longer is such a key part to that. The game going on for one more round means that you can get through those cheap units and then get some more value and threaten another unit. You've got a chance to kill two four-point units with your eight-point Lance Cavalry and still go on to do something else rather than yes. just like get that second kill in time for the game to end and for you to go, oh, but I've lost on victory points, right? Mm. And uh, I do think that we're starting to see a shift. Like I do think that it's really positive for the game for seven to be viable. I still think that activations have a really important part to play, but I think that the general move to weakening the four-point units, the general move to giving more high-impact value to powerful units up in the eight-point category, combined with games going on longer, meaning that fighting is just more important, I'm really trying to keep a close eye on. I think that there are seven activation lists that are definitely way more viable than they were in the past. If you were doing well with seven in the past, you're probably going to do even better now. If you were always a diehard eight or nine, such as myself, I'm giving real consideration to seven as not just this is me making my list weaker anymore. This is now a thing where I think, is that better? Could that be a better choice here? Am I better off just going out there and trying to kill some stuff and really exploit my opponent's weak points? Um, so I'm uh, I'm super interested to see how it shapes up in terms of mm. uh, activation count. Obviously, it what varies list by list, commander by commander, faction by faction. Some factions seem to have the power to do this; others don't. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm so interested as to what we see from tournament wins over the next few weeks, over the next coming months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we also saw quite a bit more attachments than before, mm-hmm. which kind of le- leads to the situation that you might have seven uh, fac- uh, activations, but your army is certainly more elite and and um, being boosted by being boosted by these attachments. If, if you want to take a look at my second list, yep. not the Jon Snow's list, that 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 was. Very much, everybody was like, or oh, many people were saying that, what is the demo? What is this list? But this is actually the list I won more mm-hmm. with. The Othel Jarvik commander in the veterans, hearted, okay, once they were killed, but not after that. And the cold hands giving synergy to the veterans uh, disrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, now with the Lance Cavalry being quite a popular thing. The Builder Scorpion was what well, I, I always played. Okay, I see. I played. Uh, I played three games against Lannisters, so um, and all of them have uh, had Castle Rock knights. So I always played this list against them, and especially with Overwatch, with the Overwatch attachment. Exactly, yeah. I had the Overwatch, and and it, it worked real well as this psychological 
barrier for those players and those who didn't maybe know so well what to do, they were way too scared to come mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And and well, one of them even went to an objective with sit on the objective with the with the with the lance cavalry and allowed me to shoot uh, even if it was six plus to hit because I didn't. They were always, of course, contemplating my honed <laughs> enhancement or whatever it is called, one of those cards. But I had Othel giving giving me rerolls and I was lucky with my dice, so I was getting those sixes. And so I was just, you know, putting holes in things. Exactly, and and then going in with the cold hands and and and, and really really stopping them. And and then I had the senior builder in my crossbows. The typical thing I did, I had my crossbows and the ball thrower quite in the middle. I moved them form, forward in the beginning of of the round two. I'm building those stakes, and I always, as we were choosing choosing terrain in this tournament, I always had a another stakes on on my other flank, typically in between two objectives, like in Game of Thrones. So suddenly, one flank of my enemy is facing two stakes mm-hmm. and can't can't get to my units, and I am shooting. And then, okay, you're welcome to charge my veterans. <laughs> you will get min- minus two to hit. And they are hardened, so welcome. Yeah, I, I am actually really, really interested to see see what awful what's made of awful. Now that you know, like I think a load of people are just writing him off as over nerfed, as 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 not playable anymore. But hardened is still a brilliant ability. His cards are so in line with what other factions see. I think that a lot of people, you know, they're looking at John as John still being a very, very powerful Night's Watch commander. Mm-hmm. And I do agree. I think that John still, John Hunters still has a lot of play. But mm-hmm. as you found, Timo, like particularly into Hardened, right? Like it has some really, really difficult matchups. It has some really, um, it has some weaknesses and it can bring out a lot of healing. It can bring out a lot of, um, you know, number of actions, number of attack. But I think there really is still a place for the second list that you pair it with to be something that really can put through auto wounds, um, yeah. at least can ignore armor saves. And I think that Offal genuinely could still be, you know, like not the terror that he was, not a thing that your opponent should be dying at, rolling their eyes, you know, oh God, I have to play Offal. Exactly. A really interesting dynamic playing the way Offal should play very defensive very zonal control based and uh, i'd be really anxious to see like how how much he does get played once people get over mm. the fact that he he's been so badly nerfed you know it's mm. very similar to myself and Pycelle. like i couldn't see past the nerf for such a long time before i realized you know he is actually still really key and important part of what lannisters are even at his nerfed condition and so you know, I I, th- I think I really tell people give Offal a chance, give give Offal a go. I think that he could still. I do sure that. did. I I really liked it, and and I had a two very very different lists. Mm-hmm. The John Snow's list was was built against Free Folk and and Starks and um, Greyjoys. Well, we didn't have any Starks, and I didn't get to play any Free Folk. So um, and one Greyjoy match was against. Against Jaska, who's who's one of the top players in Finland, and, 
and certainly struggled struggled against him. But but I think that list would did. I played one practice game. It did really didn't work quite that well at all against like Lannister guardsmen and and, mm-hmm. and uh, heavy cavalry. So yeah. I then fine tuned the other list mm-hmm. to work in this kind of setups, and and uh, it did work quite well for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I actually just want to give a shout out to uh, Johannes, who's in chat today, saying like his experiences in the chat, talking to some of the guys there. Uh, I've also noticed um, Wooden Spoon Sampalaya, who's the guy who obviously made the travel uh, all the way um, to the event, uh, and one most nice player. Is that right? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's in chat as well, and also another Timu, uh, to Timu Kuvalainen. Yep, uh, yep. The not, Baratheon player. Yes, the Baratheon player. Who? Uh, hey, I'm glad you won games, some games with Baratheons because you know <laughs> that was something that used to not happen that much. <laughs> um, so yeah, cool. Um, yeah, no, it sounds fantastic. I'll just uh, run you through some pictures here. Uh, is that the guy who beat you? That's, you up? That's the nice. That's the nicest opponent. Your nicest from, opponent from Olu. Yeah. Ah, uh, nice. Great. Uh, playing Lannisters. What a legend. Um, hang on. Hang on, what? Nice people playing Lannisters. This isn't right. Oh, Unfortunately, anyway. he didn't win a single game, so... Oh. Yeah. Lannisters <laughs> are the new Baratheons. <laughs> are they going to get a fan club and everything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, everybody can be allowed, can, can, be, can, can be really proud of the fact that they're a Lannister player now, and, uh, and we'll see everybody's true colours come out. <laughs> We we even had a one neutral player playing pure Boltons. Wow. Wow. Still not a faction. <laughs> still not a faction. <laughs> didn't still didn't do very well. <laughs> um Oh it's fantastic. Obviously it's fantastic to see any communities and everything like that. Um see but he he out. won he won the best painted army second time in a row. So Oh wow. For neutrals. D- yeah. does, it, does it count as an army if it's neutrals? If they're not a faction, can it be an army? Mm, might have to re-go back to the voting for that one, Timmy. <laughs> it, it, it was a raiding horde of <laughs> terrible people. Just sounds like a normal Friday night where we are. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll be like that. <laughs> like a football match. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, fantastic. Honestly, fantastic, uh, Timmy. Yeah. Great to, great I to had a really, really great weekend and... Uh, so I'm really pleased to, to be able to organize this and... Uh, Everybody was helping out, of course, and we quickly cleaned it up all up and all that. So I want to thank thank all the players and people who who made this thing happen and helped to organize it. But now I got to sign off. So um, any any final final questions or anything like that? Anything from you, Carlo? No, uh, congratulations on a really great event. Um, you know, and, uh, and and I hope that it will. You'll be running another, at least next year, if not before, bigger and better, always, you know, always, always bigger, always better, and always, always more fun, hopefully. Um, so good luck to uh, good luck to the community, and I hope that those players go away and continue to grow the game in uh, in their own local cities and all that kind of stuff. That's and, how it uh, looks. Good. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for having me, guys. See you Thanks. next time. See you later, buddy. Bye. So, I'll 
jump to here. Ah, I've gotten rid of Carlo. Oh, Let's oh. just bring. We Carlo knew back. we knew that would happen. Oh, there we oh, go. That's still Timu. <laughs> <laughs> I've just actually just replaced Carlo with Timu uh, all the time. So, uh, actually, no, I was right. It's believe it or not, I shouldn't have done that because I'm now going to do this. Uh, Timu's going to have a go at me because he's going to be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you did this." But I am actually going to uh, send him elsewhere, and it's going to change. There we go. See, look, I shouldn't have moved Carlo. It would have corrected itself. No. This is why I set up an automatic system to do it, you see. I was actually prepared this time. We are, we are, we are so seamlessly amazing at this, aren't we, right. uh, I have to describe that whole event now for what happened on the podcast, because podcast viewers are very important to us here at Song Vice and Fire Stats. Um, people who listen to the podcast. Uh, yeah, I just, as you'd expect, screwed up ca uh, Carlo's camera. Anyway, um... And, and we all know that the people who come for the live chat are here for me and my face. Yes, they are purely if here for you, if you're not If you're not posting in on YouTube Live, then, you know, you guys are missing out. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, on that note, randomly, um, what was the thing I was going to share with everyone about the podcast? Right, uh, this is literally just because I got this notification. I got an email the other day from the new podcast stuff they're doing. We are randomly the seventh most listened to podcast for gaming in the Netherlands. To which, to which I responded, <laughs> all eight players in the <laughs> Netherlands must listen. <laughs> I just wanted to literally give a shout out to the Netherlands community because apparently yeah. people like us there. Or they don't like any other games, which is also possible. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's all <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's all D1 as <laughs> <laughs> He just watches it back like 18 <laughs> times, then listens to it during yeah. the week just to make sure. No. Um, anyway, yeah, do, big shout out if you do listen to it on the podcast and, and everyone listening now on the podcast. Uh, thanks a lot for keeping that up. It's a bit of effort for me to do, but I don't mind doing it if you guys listen to it. Um, all right, then. Um, so. The Can we talk about a few other events? Because, yeah, you know, everything... that's not the only event that Free Folk won over the weekend. It's not. And in fact, if anyone was paying attention to me last week, here's a quick quiz, Carlo. How many events ran this weekend? Um, oh, now that's a very interesting... I wrote this down earlier. It's on this little piece of pad. So look, no hands. I'm not going to write uh, it in now. Let's see. I think that I said four and you told me it was eight, six. Oh, you shouldn't have changed your answer. Eight. It was indeed it was eight. eight. Eight events uh, ran over the weekend. Um, should I have a look at them? Yeah. Quickly. Let's hope they will actually find the games. Not. This, this is a thing which I constantly do, by the way. It's one of the one things that I practically do every single week. Sometimes people create events and they don't sign anybody up and they don't run any games through it. So I just remove them right <laughs> uh so you know i believe that actually six see this is where i got my numbers wrong i believe actually six were run through the site two more didn't get submitted i deleted them so there you go i'm never wrong guys don't forget i'm never wrong just you have to be quite malleable with what is a fact <laughs> <laughs> so um there was, I think it was indeed six that went. The Miliac conspiracy was in. No, that was actually last weekend. It might have only been five that happened this weekend. Yeah. Or there might I be think, one think... that's not signed off. Now I think about that. It's not. They haven't actually hit the finish button. Um. Well, I think that the Russian TTS event kicked off. 
Yes, that was it. Um, Russian TCS, but it? but is it, but is still just running. So yeah, I think a... that that so there aren't actually five that weeks. many closed events. No. So um, we have got uh, five events that we're going to just very quickly look at, um, and of that, of course, we won't look at um, the Forest Pond winner of Tavistoff because obviously that's the one that we just spoke about with Timu. Um, but the other ones we can talk about because they're you know we haven't looked at them. There was an event happening in Poland as is classic with the Polish community, and it was uh, only an eight eight player event, quite a small event, uh, but it's won by Free Folk. Um, Obviously, I do think Free Folk are very good. Does it surprise me that Masara won an event in Poland in that area? No. Um, Masara does win that event quite a lot. They do quite a lot of that wins. I think if you'd have given him any faction, he probably would have done well, if not win. Um, do I think that it is a... Con do I think it's interesting that he picked Free Folk? Yes. Furioku picks factions that he genuinely tries to win with and do well with. And so he picks Free Folk because he probably thinks they're the best faction in the game. Um, so There is no surprise that he runs Double Mance, for example, right? Because no. it is well known that Double Mance is... The best, probably. The, the, the go-to, right? It is the staple, it's the norm, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, like you say, I think Masara picks Free Folk because he believes that Free Folk are the best faction right now. Mm -hmm. So it is telling... It's very interesting when you look at a player like Masara at what they're playing because he has no allegiance to a particular faction and uh, with with no with no negative connotations at all attached to it. He plays what he believes is the best in the game, and I I I, I think that that is I do absolutely flat out one hundred percent fine. I do I think, think that he very is very interesting to look what he picks. I do think he is somewhat limited by physical. I don't actually know if he owns every single army. I'd have to ask him. Yeah. Because uh, I think he did get rid of some of them. Um, but I know he does own Free Folk, and Free Folk is always the faction he used to play anyway. Um, yeah. I, I also did pick up on what uh, Carl's talking about, which is uh, his, his club affiliation is that he is Peter, it's your time. Unfortunately, Peter came fourth after being in the final with Masara. So it almost <laughs> was Peter's time. Peter uh, almost got a win, but he didn't quite snatch the final. Uh, I think it might have actually been quite a close game if you look at it. Uh, I think the result was. could have been close. Uh, oh, actually, he got crushing wins in every game, so it, no, it was yeah, eleven two. Not that close. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the different game. There you go. That's a nice close game. Eleven two. Um, there is a different game. Uh, Cheltenham Bunker was won by an incredibly close margin. Yes. Uh, now that I remember. Um, which we'll look at in a second anyway. But yeah, obviously, congratulations to Masara. Um, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, you did really well. Obviously, you did really well. We know that. But it's also not a particular surprise uh, to himself. Uh, one thing that is a surprise for those of you that watch and, you know, absolute fan favourite here among Carlo, mostly. And yeah, let's face it, he's a lovely guy. Blood Raven is playing Greyjoy's. Anyone didn't I know hadn't that. Even, I hadn't even noticed. I didn't even notice Blood Raven was in, was in the tournament because I hadn't looked that far down the table. I expected him... Yeah, what? he's playing Greyjoy's uh, now. Yeah, are you? Well, you know, it's a natural progression for every poor fellow lover to move on <laughs> to be a uh, <laughs> to, to just go and spam archers and spam trappers. It's, Please, it's, uh, it's the only logical conclusion. <laughs> uh, if any, if Duan's listen to this back and making a time recording, can you just remember to stamp this particular point in in time specifically? So Carlo's saying it's a logical progression for Lannisters to go to Greyjoys. So when he starts playing Greyjoys in the very near future, when they're pretty good, it's oh, it was oh, I said it was a logical progression. It's got nothing to do with their power. 
No, I, I've always said, I've always said, Grey Joes will be my next, my next faction, and I'm gonna be spamming the shit out of archers and trappers, <laughs> right, guys? I'm not. I, I'm sitting here saying that Masara's a great guy. Look at how, look at the strong armies he fields, because, because, because that's me, right? Like, I don't, I ain't, I ain't putting trash on the board, guys. Like, you know what I mean? I, uh, I, uh, I, 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 I'm attracted by the interesting power that Greyjoys currently have, right? Like, I'm not just interested in them as a faction. I'm not interested in them as, as as their background. I'm interested in the power that they can bring to the table. Um, and, uh, and and I think that they are a very powerful faction. But, you know, I think, um, I think that currently, right now, the earliest winners of our early tournaments, our early season winners are... Mance, right now, you know, Mance. And in case people don't know, it's a bit, bit of an aside, but Mance has taken number one spot in the total rankings. Mm-hmm. He is off the back of a very strong performance over the weekend. Three tournament wins, I think. Yep. Um, well, te- technically, one of them wasn't Mance. It was that Tormund Steyer pairing that we saw, which but that helped bring his average folk Yeah. As well, brought Free Folk as a whole faction up towards the top. But Mance has taken number one spot. We see Awful. And Mother of Dragons both falling. There's been a huge amount of discussion about whether or not the rankings should have been reset, right? But Awful is being played, less so maybe with Mother of Dragons. Like people really aren't happy with that change, but she is falling. They are falling. They will find their correct place. Um, Can I just point out? It is just a choice. Anybody watching? Timu literally just talked about how he played Awful and it wasn't as bad as people think. He literally went to an event. And he won games with Awful. Like, like <laughs> people are like, oh my god, he's shit. He should be just like absolutely like dropped down. But if he's winning games with him, and he's not losing games with him, then no, he shouldn't drop down. You know, do I think it's probably... If, I don't think he's probably as good as he was. I do think he's been changed. Absolutely. But I don't think he's as bad as people think, you know. Otherwise, he would have been Awful is falling. Yeah. But honestly, I... I... Bring it up. I think that Offal will fall to about a plus 50. I think that Mother of Dragons will go lower. You know, I, I think that Mother of Dragons, if played enough, will really come right, really quite far down. I think that she got hit with the nerf bat on every single uh, every oh, single gotcha. metric. Um, and it is... So, you know... If, some, if someone was to be brutally honest and said, you know, is it a problem that MOD is quite highly rated? I actually do think that that's a more interesting discussion for the data mm-hmm. because and i spoke about this with players um earlier in the week in that mod's current play rate uh, i haven't looked at it today but when i measured it before it was four games four games in the play rate that we expected and to give a comparison i looked at other commanders who were achieving what i thought were high level play rates and medium level pay rates in the meta awful had had something like 12 which was quite a low end Mance was looking at about 30 to 40. Gregor was looking at 40. And I think um, Eddard, which we know is one of the most popular commanders, probably of the changes, Starks being one of the largest change factions, had something like 50 games played. So actually, if you look at it, I think it was 48, I think. Offal ended up being about a quarter of the play rate as Eddard. And I assumed, I didn't check this out, but I assumed Eddard was one of the most played. So I mm-hmm. took the assumption and said, he's a quarter of the play rate. Mother of Dragons with four games, put her puts her at a tenth of the play rate. That is something we could talk about, and we could say, maybe that's a problem. Um, 
because that's actually mm-hmm. equivalent to neutral play rate at this current moment. Um, and we've already known that neutrals have never found their true home in the data, really, because they just don't get played enough. It's it's crazy to think that even with all the data that they have, they're probably still worse than the data suggests. They just still don't get played enough compared to other stuff. Um, I, I actually don't think that Arthur will be played any less than he used to get played. Because he was actually so underplayed, so yeah. toxic um, in the way he was viewed that he was so underplayed by what his power level suggested that competitive players would play. It was only in the biggest events, the most competitive places that you ever found him fielded. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and now I think that people feel liberated to play him, try him, and and, and liberated to try different list builds with him. So uh, I'm really interested to see where he does end up. Mother of Dragons, well, maybe maybe she'll sit too high for too long, and well, that's 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 something that will happen. But I I, I don't think that. But 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 the point is is that the stats, they're a number which is created from the information that we have. Yeah. You can. Add your own thought process to that. You must add your own thought process to that. Yeah. Do not discount it. Nothing can and should be discounted. If you just look at them and be like, that's wrong because I, because I don't think it's right, well, then you learn nothing. But you have to take it as a starting point and then think about why it is that way and what that can do to help you learn more about the game. And if you can look at Mother of Dragons and say, oh, her rating is higher than I think it is because I know she's been significantly nerfed recently, then you don't need to know anything else, right? But if you look at this and you look at Othel, for example, and look at his actual data and you're like, wow, he's not going down, then we could learn something, which is maybe Othel is still strong. Like, yes, he was nerfed. But is he actually now a bad commander? And that is something that we can really learn from like looking at what trends he has. We don't just look at it and be like, Othel must be the second best commander in the game, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's not true. We've just gone through a huge set of changes. We look at how things are trending. We look at where things are moving. And they give us indicators of what is popular. Popularity is also a really important part of the what stats does in my opinion because popularity can help us understand what things we will face right like understanding not just what is strong but what is popular means that we can make sure that when we come to a tournament we're ready for all the popular things the things that we're most likely to see so you know like i do i do think that there's been a lot of discussion recently and i and i stay out of the discussion in general except when you know like it comes up to like a really specific question on that's Facebook group. Other than that, like a long time ago, I learned to just like step away from the from from, from the from the Discord discussions. I try not to like defend stats even anymore. You know, like some other people do defend it. You know, M- M- Mickey Mickey still gets really riled up and defends it at times. But like, I actually just think that people really misconstrued the way it can and should be used. Uh, and I've told people again and again and again, like what I think the best ways that people can use it. But me sitting there and lecturing people and arguing with people and 
and uh, and trying to educate them on what I think that its proper use is has never really helped in the past. So I just like don't believe everything everybody else tells you about stats because honestly, it's mostly wrong. <laughs> it's mostly wrong. Just go and learn what you can from it. Use it in ways that you think are interesting. And if you have questions, then come and ask. Like, come and ask me and I will I will give you my opinion. Lots of the Patreons, they ask questions about, you know, like, oh, is this, you know, there are, there are some who really are just super actually interested in the mathematics and stats side of things. Some people come and ask me, you know, like, Oh, is this like a zero sum system? And like we like yeah. talk about like the things that I'm interested in, right? Like the things, the re- a lot of the reasons why I created it, a lot of the maths that is behind it. Um, and I enjoy those discussions. But when we're just talking about what is right, what is wrong, whether or not Mance is overpowered, whether or not, you know, um, whether or not Offal should have been nerfed as much as he was, whether or not Mother of Dragons is shit now. I'm I'm so not interested in those discussions. Like they're they're not uh they're not they're not why I made stats. They're they're just a, it's supposed to be a way to learn. It's supposed to be a way to make ourselves more informed. It's not supposed to be a way to win an argument. It's not uh, supposed to be a way to prove somebody else is wrong and to put somebody else down. Uh, and yeah, Tim. Um, they 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 could and should be an FAQ page. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? It's not all super intuitive to everybody else, uh, and you don't you don't understand all the things that go through my mind without me ever actually telling you them. Um, it's definitely but, uh, it's definitely true to say that what you should be doing is looking at the stats, and if you agree with it, fine, whatever, move on. If you disagree with it, go away and think about why you disagree with it. And actually, one of the things that we will actually sit here and say is me and carlo disagree our opinions will disagree with what some of the stats say like we do that we do have opinions that are like we don't believe that this is that bad or we don't believe this is that good and so we try to do something me, about me and Mickey it get into some pretty heated arguments about it sometimes yeah, yeah we do <laughs> and we go away and we're like no this is way better than it than the stats say it should be and we actually almost try and prove it right or we follow the stats sometimes and go right well you know whatever but the point is is it's supposed to challenge your opinion if you don't yeah. know about something this is what stats can do is it can challenge your opinion on it and yeah. i will sit here and still tell you that i have no idea why walder was the best piece in 2021 and I haven't thought about A Song of Ice and Fire at all this week. I played like two games last week, legitimately applied zero thought to the games or zero prep or anything. The only thing about A Song of Ice and Fire in the last week I've thought about is why the fuck is Walder so good? Because I cannot see it. For the life of me, I cannot make a list where I feel happy with. And yet he wins games. <laughs> I have one in mind. You have one in mind. Secret tech oh oh can, can i guess can i guess can i guess is it a new mother of dragons list <laughs> no 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 uh, is it a baratheon list because i think there might be a baratheon list that actually might be really good with walder in my head but i don't know yeah mickey mickey the one is uh he, he's got you clipped as saying uh if you disagree go away yeah yeah, yeah that's it yeah uh <laughs> um <laughs> Uh oh, Carl's got a question. This is where this is where our usual tawny ground of we didn't really have anything to discuss to discuss this week. There wasn't any big news becomes a ten hour stream. But, yeah. uh, Brian, 
Brian, I, I will try and answer your question if you ask it, Carl. Brian, Brian actually on that point says Mammoth Rock. And actually, Brian's a very good example of this. Brian, like we've always said, and Brian always says, oh, I don't believe the stats. I don't believe it. But he does it in a kind of like, I don't care what they say. I'm going to do what I want to do. And Brian, obviously coming away, and I will talk about Brian very briefly, because he actually is the subject of uh, this next part, A Dance of Javantry. He, Javantry, sorry. He won mm-hmm. an event with Free Folk. Um and he ran mammoths and he as always he loved old mammoths when they were 2021 garbage uh, and he loves them now and you know what i disagree with him i've always i did i said i always used to be like no nah, mate the 2021 mammoths just weren't good but that didn't stop him running them and it hasn't stopped him trying them out and doing things with them and enjoying them and then he's come away and he's won games with them and like has he challenged my understanding of them? Yeah. I was unsure about the season one updates and how it would change them. But it does mean that I'm now going to look at his lists. I'm going to look at what he was running and I'm going to go, okay, but why did you manage to make them work in this way? And Brian will say it's all about the dice. Don't believe him. That's what he likes to pretend. Um, but I'm going to go away and look at it and I'm going to think, right, okay, what does the mammoth actually give you in the list building? And can I make Brian's list better? Is it possible for me to go away and go, I like the ideas here. Can I make them better and make my own lists with the basis of why Brian was using that component in his list? Like, that's what stats is all for. The learning side and the challenging side that you can get. And I've definitely been surprised by some things in the last couple of weeks where I was kind of like, I think this is shit. And I've never seen it used well. I still, I mean, me and Carla had an argument the other week about Unsullied Swordmasters. I think Unsullied Swordmasters are garbage with an officer in. <laughs> Carla's the other way. He thinks they're amazing. Um... I don't think they're amazing, right? <laughs> I just, they're not garbage. <laughs> I, th- I think they're utter garbage. But that's because of my, f- I'm, my free folk eyes when I played against them. I just don't care about them. Um, whereas against other players, they might be good, you know, the factions. Um, they won me a game against Starks, like single-handedly. They were by far the most important unit. <laughs> yeah. That precision versus hardened versus all these things, like it's felt so key. But yeah, they actually won. Uh, to be fair, they also won you a game against me, except for the fact that basically anything would have done because I just couldn't kill anything. So, <laughs> uh, just bloody chasing around the map. Um, anyway, yeah, congratulations to Brian uh, for Dance of Daventry, the event that was run uh, by. Um, Graham. Graham. Graham Tain. I couldn't remember his name. The Tain. The Tain. Yes, I knew his uh, thingy. Uh, but yeah, obviously, congratulations there to Brian uh, for winning that event with his Starks. Uh, commiserations to Steve, Stephen Connor, uh, Psycho, um, for coming in second with Starks, literally losing out because he didn't get a crushing and he had less UDs as well. Uh, but both three wins each. Um, but I mean, Wardens of the Wardens of the Northwest coming one two three is a really really strong show in from the Liverpool lads. Um, they are. Uh, they're a very good group. You know, they are really, really good. Apparently, the journey home was a bit awkward. Because yeah, they all travelled yeah, together. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know. So, I believe Brian beat Colco in the final, yeah. uh, you know. And and I believe that Colco got given a prize as being the person who lost on the top table as opposed <laughs> to the person who came second. That's so, great. I believe that of the three of them, Steve is the only one who didn't get a prize, even though he was, <laughs> even though he was undefeated. So uh, uh, that's a win. That's 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 a win for everyone. Steve not yeah, getting a yeah, prize. Yeah. At least, 
Because that's what I've that's what I've gained from uh, from Brian's great blog. I mean, you can read all about you know the games that Brian played uh, he, in his uh, in his blog. Always Indeed. there. There yeah. are a lot of pictures from the event. Brian um, does that. Brian does a lot of pictures and a lot of great information. Um, I'm always surprised because I've never seen Brian play a game. I've never actually watched one of his games. But I'm actually confused if he actually plays the game or if he has someone else play the game for him while he just has a camera. Because he seems to capture literally every I've played moment. Brian quite a few times, yeah. Uh, he just spends most most of the time that's not his own turn t- taking photos. Uh, and, um, yeah, I think uh, it, 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 he's great, great to play against. Um, and uh, I would not be able to play that well... <laughs> If I spent all of my opponent's turn not thinking about the game, but instead pointing a camera at the table, so I'll absolutely give him kudos for being able to play as well as he does while pointing a camera at the table most of the time. Yeah, but um, I think that was a really, really brilliant event. One no show out of what was a sixteen-player event. Yep. I'm, um, you know, he's here. In, he's here in chat. Uh, Tane. Um, why didn't did 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 you not quite feel confident enough to TO and play on the day? I'm surprised that you didn't step into that last sixteenth spot. But um it looks like a great event. Otherwise, you know, I'm sure sure everybody had a great time. And uh I hope I really hope that, you know, it seems like it's the the start of uh, another strong community in and around that area. Mm-hmm. Um there is a good mix of local players with some players traveling, uh some a number of players, like maybe anywhere up to like half of these players kind of coming out and saying on uh, the UK Discord that this was going to be their first ever, ever event. Mm-hmm. We see Carly, um, who's been, you know, um, writing a lot of articles over on Frontline Gaming, talking about ta- um, tournament results and the meta in general. Clearly very, very into the game, but I believe it was the first time that Carly made it out to an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is... Um, Really, really brilliant to see, and uh, hopefully, just becomes you know another staple name mm-hmm. in amongst the community. Um, but there that, are loads uh, of names that you've seen here before if you've been well, in and around the UK. Ben Harris is another one. Panzer, I know for a fact he was first game. Um, I believe that he was one of the guys that the Tane was actually like basically teaching um, and getting them up to like you know is introduced to the game. Um, and there's quite a few of the I think it's the Battlefield hobby guys. I think are all a relatively new um, scene, and that's obviously the place in Daventry where it's hosted. Um, yeah. The the team's creating there. So this is exactly what we were talking about earlier in the episode in terms of building community and getting players involved. This is exactly the kind of thing that works, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that this was the most amazing kind of like well-funded, well-organized event you'll ever have gone to, and he's done a great job. But the fact that he's done a good job getting 16 players or him and 15 players, I guess, together in an event, in a store, running games, is all you need. That is literally, yeah. like, people who think it's a lot of effort, it is more effort than people will give you credit to. It is effort. <laughs> but it's worth it. That's the thing. It's worth the effort. And I, ho- I hope it yeah. felt like it was worth it. And I hope, I hope to see another event come along. I would have gone down myself, were it not for uh, the fact that I uh, am... Very, very few uh, spare weekends at the moment, um, but hopefully give it another six months and uh, I'll be at every UK tournament going again. I'll be uh, every uh, up and down the country every weekend playing games with anybody who'll play me. Um, so yeah, like uh, I'm sure there'll be another event coming out of uh, Daventry soon mm-hmm. and um, good, 
good luck to the the players who played for the first time and i hope that uh it's improved your your lease of interest in the game uh the team they're just saying um the 16th player who was due to come thought it was next weekend <laughs> got their weekend uh... that happens <laughs> that literally happens all the time um so, yeah but no it's fantastic to see people arranging you know events and when an event goes well and everyone enjoys themselves like that for me is a great event um it doesn't have to have the song and dance and whistles and things that some events have you know the gt for example for us is one of the best uh, events of the calendar season um but it's not the event itself that makes it good it's the players um and if you get a lot of players together it's just a nice event because there's so many nice people in the community um honestly i'll reiterate it but one of the best parts of the gt last year was of course not the games but it was sitting down of an evening on friday and saturday night having drinks with people after covid first time i've met them catching up just chatting bare shit watching carlo play flesh and blood um that was actually one of the best parts of the weekend for me because spending time with people that you kind of like and have shared interests in is arguably better kind of than anything else. kind of well yeah maybe Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on. We're, not, we're, not, we're not going too heavy on the actually like... I had to be careful because Chris Eustace, that guy, what a tosser. And, uh, and Colco, jeez, uh, I won't say what I think about Colco behind his back. <laughs> no, uh, they're great guys. Um, shout out to uh, Colco and Gregors and things like that. But getting back to it, can't deny, double mance double with the win. Does it double count? The win. Does it count? Eddard, Eddard and Brendan Tully. In an undefeated combo. See, uh, that, uh, I believe, is the Brynden list that he kind of basically used to run. Yeah, it's basically the Brynden list he used to run, I think, or similar mm-hmm. to it, which has seen basically only buffs. So, yeah. that's good. Yeah, Steve's been a long, long time uh, Stark player. He played... He he took Starks to fourth place at the Always Winter GT was before cool. the changes. You know, yeah. like, he's... He massively outperformed what I thought Starks could do at the GT. Uh, so, you know, he's uh, he's definitely a force to be feared with them now uh, with that experience under his belt. Definitely. Um, all right, so that was Brian. Uh, do check out Brian's blog. Uh, links available in chat, I say that. if Brian, if you want to post a link for it in the chat, feel free to do that because it requires me to have some effort. Oh, go on, I'll do it. There we go. <laughs> Uh, that wasn't that much hard, was it? Because I actually have it already loaded up. I'm an idiot. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, really. Anyway, well, I have to jump <laughs> really into. You. I have to post it as you by jumping into your account on, you know, something else. But that's fine. We won't go into that now. Uh, yeah, I can pretend to be Carlo. It's great. Anyway, uh, the Dance of Dragons in Russia uh, went ahead as well. This is an 11-player Swiss event, as usual, and this was run by Davinia, uh, a Baratheon player, going three and three, mm-hmm. uh, three for three. Um, one other player, another Free Folk player, came in in second place. I can't pronounce his name. I'm not going to try. Um, but Rattleshirt Mance. Did he run Rattleshirt? Mance. Rattleshirt. Man, he did run Rattleshirt one game. There Fair we go. And it was a close. 7-6. He should have ran Mance. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Baratheon's Loris and Courtney running double friendly side. Renly side, side has been... What's Loris in? Is Loris in Rose Knight or is he in the fabled Thorn Watch? He's, He's in Stax! Oh, Jesus. 
Jesus, yeah. I don't know if I agree with that, but okay. <laughs> Look at that. It's, it's, the, it's, it's, the Barrow, it's the Barrow Wardens with Master Wardens, which I think a lot of people are really, really strong on, shall we say. Like, you know, they're, mm. they're, really, they're really liking them. I'm unconvinced, right? I, I never, I'm never happy with that many points put into a slow movement four unit with high armor and stuff like that. I'm not a pro tanky unit player, which is odd because I generally play quite defensive armies. But people are loving them. People are loving them. I will say, in terms of like why the strategy might be working, the traditional way, of course, with wardens and stuff uh, similar was that they would charge you you could charge them if you want to alpha strike them get them low whatever but you could even let them charge you it wasn't that big a deal most of the time and then you just reverse and you still control a point with points generally speaking not being the way that you win games as much anymore mm. um i do think the killing style means that people are more likely to engage them also the master warden actually has a very subtle uh interesting ability here because Later on, you don't mind it when you get activated. If you're in combat with a Master Warden, you didn't care if they activated and attack you. In fact, that was a good thing, because then what you did, regardless of how much damage you took, you retreated off and you control your objective. But nowadays, if they activate in on you, they go, have like four or five hits, smack, and then I'll attack you. And actually, that damage against the weaker units they typically see play into, rap, that mm. right, actually racks up. Um, so suddenly the Wardens themselves aren't doing damage, but the hold the line order, order on the Wardens is actually a threat that has to be played around. Um, yeah, I do think it's very interesting combining. You know, Most people are seeing hold the line combined with a unit which is relatively defensive. Yes. It gives the defensive unit an aggressive look, helps to really give them some punch. But also it basically says, like, if you don't attack me, my offense is high. And if you do attack me, well, I at least get to use my defensive abilities for once. Because the main problem in the past was never getting use of your defensive abilities. Yeah. Because nobody would bother to attack you. But now if people leave you on full ranks, then you're just talking, is it five hits? Is it two plus ranks? Two plus ranks. Yeah, two plus ranks. And even when you go down, you know, like that's still a lot of hits. We do see we do see the new Thorn Watch making an appearance. Uh, I find that quite interesting that that's not with Loris because I do actually think that Loris has an interesting play in them, yep. being able to dance duelist around, get it in and out, and bounce it in and out of combo. That's where I would put him in that list myself and let the Stagnites do their own work. But clearly, it's working well enough for him. Courtney, I'm a big fan of. Um, yeah, Courtney's a very control commander though. Um... Interesting that we see Champions of the Stag. I've played them myself. I played them into a Baratheon mirror, and they did great. But that was a Baratheon mirror where, obviously, we're going to end a lot of combats engaged. We're going to have a lot of protracted grinding combats. They did start to really pull their value in their, in that game. It did. They're vulnerable. was at its best use. I was facing a lot of 3-plus armor. Um, and, uh, wow, we see Stagnites with Loras uh, as an actual expert duelist here. But... Um, yeah, I think um Yeah. Interest, interesting powerful lists. Yeah. Definitely. Um so yeah, obviously congratulations to Daniel uh Davinia. Davinchikia, however you pronounce it. Which of that. Um and yeah, generally, you know, hopefully that was a great event as well. 
and and the last event a while ago asked um you know how 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 did baratheons do when we talked a little bit about the tournaments in general yeah right like baratheons won that tournament but the thing that we haven't looked at a lot is baratheons also still continued to come last or close to last in a lot of other events right like baratheons still remain a difficult faction to play they still are not an absolute powerhouse I still think that they're mid-table at best. And actually, despite winning one of these events, over the weekend as a whole, they lost ranking. Whereas what we see from this weekend right now, it's only a small number of results by comparison to the whole number of results we expect to get over the coming months. Are free folk were either winning events or placing very, very well. In almost every event, the faction with the highest win rate this weekend was Free Folk. And that's what saw Free Folk take the number one spot with Mance. And also, the faction take the number one spot for a while. I don't believe that they're there right now. I think I they believe, might be number two right now. I believe that... But uh, for a while, yeah. they were the number one faction overall. They are. Yeah, there we go. They are currently the number one faction. That yeah, is because, not just because you're winning the event, it's because you're performing well across a whole range of players. A whole set of people are coming second and third and going unbeaten, even though they didn't win. And all those things add up. That's the more holistic view that uh, Song of Rise of Fire Stats takes when it looks at the ranking of uh, factions. It's a lot more involved than just like what won, what won this tournament. It looks at what won and what lost. Every position in between. And, you know, what was the expected outcome from every given player based on their previous performances. So, uh, you know, Free Folk currently looked like the strongest thing to come out of the balance patch. But they were already pretty high and they didn't see significant change, right? Like, I think that there are other factions out there like Starks who have seen much bigger changes in the way that they now look at list building, the way they look at winning games. It's interesting that Psycho Stee, he went unbeaten while using an army list, which is almost unchanged from what he was using last edition. Timu talked about it a lot. Players with a lot of experience with their own list will do so much better than, than those who don't really know what their units do, how to get the best out of them, how to really work every synergy that the list has. Also understanding like what will play well into various matchups. So I think that it's interesting that Free Folk have a current bump. And I think that it's because Free Folk lists haven't changed a lot. And I think that there is room, yeah. not necessarily for some wild new meta list to define itself from Starks or from Targs, or from Night's Watch. But I think that all three of those factions, they'll have a period of learning for players particularly in how to get the most from their lists. And I don't think that Free Folk are necessarily dominant. I just think that the meta is still shifting and finding its feet. It is. I said it last week. I think it's just a straight-up positive that there isn't just a standout right now. Like I don't think that Mance is just a straight standout, the best thing in the game. I just think that he is... A very strong choice that has been strong for a very long time and 
there's a lot of free folk diehards who really know how to play that list. And I, I believe I agree with like uh, Charles Cassier. The, the change to Othel specifically and to the gunline list was the nightmare of the Mance list, right? And, and Free Folk in general. That terrible matchup going away has really enabled Free Folk to take the position that they probably always held in terms of other matchups, in terms of other win rates over other factions. I completely agree with that. I, I actually want to say that the big thing with Free Folk is that I don't... I think that there are a lot of list-building opportunities, and one of my list builds that I came away, and I still use, because I entered it into an event, was one that I came up with on the night we played Carlo. And it had new stuff in it that I hadn't used before. But actually, I felt very comfortable saying that if I actually take an 8-activation or 9-activation Mance list in the way that I used to build them, I actually think it's probably just as good. If not, like, okay, the Spearwives are a little bit worse, but that's an ethos change that I would have to play with the list slightly. I don't think the list is bad. I just think it's slightly different. Um, that's obviously a problem in that, you know, not, not, Free Folk not receiving any major changes. And I, I am under the opinion that, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, a couple of months' time, we could be sitting and having a discussion about why or how Mance should be changed. Um, I do think that the thing that Charles uh, Terra said in chat, that Raiders going to 8 morale might be a good idea, but actually the only real person that impacts more than anybody is the other Free Folk lists, which are not showing across the grand scheme of things to have the power level and the powerhouse that Mance is able to put across. But they aren't mm -hmm. bad. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're bad. They're not. Steer, I think, is a good second choice. I think Tormund is a lot better than his ranking suggests. Um, especially with the change to Fens. I think Fens really change help Tormund. Um, but I do genuinely think that Mance should get changed. I do think there's a discussion to be had on Insignificant and Raiders. And is it possible to balance Insignificant properly in the game? Um I do think that that's a worthy discussion. I do think that we could sit here and say something along the lines of, um, is Endless Horde a problem card? I do mm -hmm. think Endless Horde... I, I, I'm not even going to sit here and j joke to you. Um, I was speaking with Ariakis. He played against uh, Furioku last night, I think it was. And he, he Furioku beat him in the team event. And he said, yeah, he played both Endless Hordes on round one and round two. To which point I said to Ariakis, well, sorry, mate, you've probably just lost. Like, like, there is probably play. There are probably things that you can do. Mm -hmm. But I hate the fact... The vast majority of lists cannot play into that, right? Okay. The... We, call Raiders... I mean, Raiders are practically a four-point unit, right? They like, are. They're a four-point unit. They're a four-point unit. They are a four-point unit. They have adaptive. Yes, the adaptive... Yes, you know, when you bring them on for free, they don't come with any attack, right? So... Yeah. You can toss up whether or not you say they're a four-point unit or three-and-a-half-point unit or a three-point unit. But to be honest, they're practically at the four end, right? Like, they're a very high-performing three with adaptive, which well, the, probably the isn't a one-point ability. The difference so, is they're a stat line of a four uh, with arguably, you could say, negatives that make them more like a three-point. But the the insignificant basically turns them into a four-point unit at that point. That's the thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and, and then adaptive and, on top. 
And yes, there are certain tempo hits and stuff like that. And yes, you had to get hold of a couple of cards and play a couple of cards. But the reality is, is that not much has happened if they're played on turns one and two. Not much loss happens. And you are playing 40 points against 48 points at this point. Yep. Right? That is And two extra wild. activations. Like, two extra activations as well. Yeah, I mean, like, but like, just forget the activations. Like, yeah. it's straight up 40 versus 48. I, outside of old awful, mm-hmm. I can't think of a single list that wins if you play a 40 versus 48 game. Right against a properly well constructed forty eight points that is going out there to win as much as possible. Call it forty six if you want. Right, like we can, we can, we can just make them three point units. If you played forty versus forty six in a couple of equally skilled players, there is almost no way that the forty point list ever wins the game. Right, and if endless horde happens round one and round two. That's just how you have to see the game from then on. Endless Horde can come up rounds four and rounds five, and it's not going to have the same impact. That 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 it might work as a zone will cause such a different tempo shift. It will be an actual sacrifice to take horses and swap it at that point. Whereas if you take it on turn one and turn two, there's no loss. There's no problem in doing that. And yes, there is the chance that you could bring back a more powerful unit, but most most strong Freefolk armies right now, they're not bringing Bone Lord's Chosen being the only other unit, which is really like significantly, significantly yeah. a buff over it, the... Um, the army is built on the backbone, is what I said. The, the army is built on the backbone of five and five, four and five point units. Yeah, and there may be attachments in some of those things, but actually, it's not the point. You that no. you have four and five point units, and that's all that matters, and that's all that you can realistically build into your army. Yes, you can include mammoths at six. Yes, you might take giants at seven. Yes, you might include one at eight or bears. Yes, you might even look at nine for mag. But you're not building lists with those things in mind necessarily. They're a one of in the list. They're not the backbone. Yeah. Um. So I would happily have a discussion about Endless Horde and the ways it changes. I do think that it's a problem for game balance. And I spoke about it in terms of the Targaryen matchup in that I think the Targaryen Mm -hmm. matchup is stupid because of the problem that Endless Horde has and the very bipolar nature that field control has with it. Uh, I I hate the Targaryen matchup as a free folk player, not because I feel like it requires skill or anything like this. I just hate this idea that if I do this thing and my opponent doesn't have an counter, I probably just win against an equally skilled opponent, right? Whereas he has the counter, he probably just wins. There's no skill involved. There's very little skill involved in that. And the rest of the game we then have to play with skill. Um, sure, skill comes into the matchup still. But if you've played an opponent, me and Carlo played it multiple times. We actually, most cases when we play the Targaryen free folk matchup, we actually probably know the winner in the first two rounds, right? Like, it, it is actually that easy to tell who the winner's going to be. Yeah. Um, so, it's it's very... I hate Endless Horde. It's Endless Horde that's the issue. I, I have my own problems with Field Control. I think Field Control's an extremely powerful card. But that's got nothing to do with Endless Horde. I just think Field Control's an extremely I don't think, powerful see, card. See, that's the thing. I think that Field Control is a crap card. 
I think it's I think it's extremely powerful. Like except you don't you ever still see get it to shift. It, it yeah. still allows no you pivot. to put a unit into somebody's flank. It still yeah. allows you to. The most of what a maneuver does is it allows you to get an action that you otherwise wouldn't get, right? It allows you to enable a charge when a charge is blocked or it allows you to turn a really long bomb charge into not a long bomb charge. It allows you to shift yourself so that you can't be charged. So you you can deny an action as well as allow an action. Um, And yes, you give up the weekend, but... I actually think that the only real significant play that it has is denial of a retreat. Yes. Is actually, I think that it's its only significant impact. That and its complete, absolute fuck you of Endless Horde, which is the only reason why I think that it's important. Well, I, I, I do think it's still a decent card because it's a control piece. Anything that offers you some element of control can always be decent. But, and this is the discussion on wilding diplomacy that I see people are having in chat, any control piece has elements of ways and, and ways of playing around it. It's like, sure, I can shift three and I'll be weakened, but I still get what I want, like Carla was saying. Vice versa, if you really need to pivot and field control comes down, it's like, fuck. I didn't actually yeah, I mean, it's like in your rear, yeah. right? Like, you know, and what you want to do is turn around... And, but like we're taught, I feel I like field controls actual power plays are such corner corner cases, yes. and not a generic thing. No, but the point so. the point still stands. I mean, we can have different opinions on that the whole time. I would definitely entertain a discussion changing endless sword. I do think it deserves a change. I do think it's a massive issue. Um, yeah, and you know, I know for a fact if I have it in my opening hand and I'm going first, my chance of win just skyrocketing. I don't have. To, I don't need statistics to tell me that my chance of winning I skyrockets. Hope, I hope that like the changes to Clash Kings, changes to Here We Stand, or, or is it Here We Stand? Yeah, Here We Stand, Clash Kings. I never know which one's which. Here We Stand, yeah. No, no, Here We Stand. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, Here We Stand. Sorry, that they yeah. don't respawn, right? I think hopefully they understand and take that forward to the fact that respawning anything in this game is inherently problematic like i do think that like it's the design aspect that is just so problematic and i understand that they want to think that the free folk want to play in a certain horde star mechanic and that that's how they feel like one of the ways is like no matter how many you kill they just keep coming back or whatever but i hope like i don't see a way to balance that card myself outside of getting rid of it and it just being a different card i think that's i mean Um, straight away i do think i do think it's powerful obviously i do think if you removed the the obvious nerf is you need to remove the ability to just deploy a radio unit like that just needs to go why that was ever an option they thought entertained making the card like that good you can just play a raider unit that's yeah. just stupid. Um, I think that that has no place in the game. I think that is a... like, In the nicest possible sense, it takes about three iotas of a second to look at that and go, well, if I get the opportunity to do it in the first two rounds, I'm going to do that. Obviously. Biscus asks whether or not I think that you should take horse every possible opportunity against free folk. Yes. Flat what? out. It's part of the reason why... It is the only so good. action in the whole game where... 
Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you the specifics of the Targaryen matchup. Say I win first turn, right? Like, I have choice. I get to look at my hand, don't forget, right? So this is very important because the Targs has the specific added thing of field control. If I draw my starting hand and it does not contain field control, then the first thing I say is, I'm going first, <laughs> and I take horse. I did it with Baelish. I don't want horses. I'm not trying to rush an objective. I don't even want to do anything good with it. I'm just making sure that the first thing that happens isn't my opponent plays Endless Horde. Now, I also, specifically against almost every other faction, my opening play would be, I'll take letters, please. I'll take two more cards. Now, when I first started playing it, I did think, oh, maybe I'll take the risk. Oh, maybe I'll draw Endless Horde. Right, but no. If you don't have endless hole in your hand right now, then don't bother with that. If you're playing Mance and there's a very, very high opportunity chance that you are, then if you take letters, then you also effectively double the chance that he has endless hold in hand because he can now just say, "Oh, I'll play long plan then, and I'll have endless hold out of my deck, and then I'll play I'll play horses and I'll have a unit, please." Right. So, absolutely. If I'm Targs and I don't have Endless Horde, a.k.a. also if I'm every other faction in the game because no other faction has... An, um, sorry, I'm Targs and I don't have Field Control, a.k.a. I'm every faction that's not Targs. If I have first turn, first thing I do is I take horses because I can maybe pressure and make my opponent taking horses on turn two at least be a tempo loss. And the only way I can do that is if I force it to be that swords is a viable option on turn two. Or that we're really close to like engaging on turn two. Now, the whole thing flips on its head. If I have field control in my first three cards, now I'm going to say, I'm going to go second, please. Because if he takes horses and plays Endless Horde, I'll just field control it. And then when we come to round two, when I don't have field control, I'm still going to take horses first, right? Because now I might not have it. It's that simple in my mind. Like, honestly, like, I, I, I know I sometimes go to, like, extremes of, like, you know, I mean, oh, the, the matchup is this simple or whatever. But for me, in my mind, it is as simple as that. Blocking Endless Horde against the Free Folk in rounds one and two will determine winning or losing the game. And there is nothing more important that you can do. I will take a sword shot. I will give up Spearwives giving a charging volley over blocking Endless Horde in the first couple of rounds of the game. Yep. And if, if that happens, you know, if that happens, like, there are other things the Free Folk player can do. Obviously, you're still 40 versus 40 points. But if that... When I speak about Free Folk, obviously one of the big things that fucks Free Folk right in the ass is a weakened token because four plus to hit. So actually, mm -hmm. field control really fucks Free Folk in a double whammy because that weakened token actually has a lot more value than it would against many other factions. Um, so it's that's a big double whammy hit. Um, yeah. The if 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 you're not Targs though, there is a certain thing which is. I can't block horses forever. Yeah. And I don't have field control, so I don't get to counter the card. 
Lannisters have maybe I want to counterplot this, and I do think that early in the game, it's you know it's definite counterpart option. You could maybe swap the word field control for counterplot, maybe arguable because counterplot not guaranteed, and also has so many other uses. There are really really important powerful cards in amongst the free folk deck. Problem is, is with other factions, if you very, very aggressively take horses at the start of the round, you do just create this situation where you're definitely going to have to face a five-point unit later on in the game that died and gets respawned. But that is almost definitely better than facing raiders from an extra raider unit from turn one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Carl's true. If you're not Targs, bring Baelish. Taking horses, but getting use out of something else, like letters, like swords, like whatever zone you wanted, is very, very important. Um, Some some people talk about uh, wilding diplomacy and like the issues that has. It has got issues, and there are things where it's like, oh, you can't block the board if they wilding diplomacy, and you've got solos, and then you can't block the board, so they might endless horde or do this, that, and the other. But it's like, at this point, you've asked them to have a pretty optimal starting hand. To which I would say, if you give anybody like one of the best opening hands that you could possibly have in the game, then yes, you'll have a problem. <laughs> but like mm. that's true of nearly like if you give Targaryens something like um, Blood of the Dragon, Blood of the Dragon, something else, and then they go, all oh, right, so I can just like sacrifice my freed men here and activate both Bloods of the Dragon on my veterans and my flayed men. I'll take that. <laughs> you know, yeah. there are things like that in the game where it's like you give people the optimum opening hand. Yes, there is limited that you can do about it in the competitive area. Um, but the point is, is that people either have that or they don't. And if they have it, then you either take the risk or you don't. People say Wilding Diplomacy is too strong a card as well. Um, I think it's very good. I fundamentally disagree that it's the most strongest card or the strongest card in the game or anything like that. Or I actually fundamentally disagree that it needs a nerf. Um, I do think it's a list building consideration. I do think it's something that people need to think about a lot more when list building than just building a list. Uh, that's another thing people don't build around free folk since since 1.6. When people obviously always built around free folk because they were like the second bad guys. People don't and haven't in 2021 and it's really telling um i do very much think wilding diplomacy doesn't need the plus one wound maybe um but actually like having a card doing wound on a situation like that is not too dissimilar to a lot of other cards in a lot of other factions certainly from commanders yes it's quite powerful. Yes, it can have problems. But it's only going to happen twice in the game. And at maximum, that's eight wounds. Right? And, and I, I know, I know. But, like, if we, if, we took, if we were to compare Roos with the Vulnerable and Panic token as a comparison, that is actually equivalent, you could roughly say, to two wounds for the Panic and two wounds for the Vulnerable. So, actually, that's about four wounds. The difference is it's not straight wounds. I do agree that straight wounds is a problem for solos. But actually, in terms of damage, it's a roughly equivalent. Um, so, I, 
do think it needs changing. I do think there's a changes that need to happen to free folk. And I do agree and sit here and say to people, yes, Mance probably does need changing. But I think that the moment you start moving into changing the free folk units is the moment you start massively impacting the rest of the faction. Um, so it has to be Mance himself that gets changed. Yeah. I do think it's an interesting discussion because um, obviously we're talking about, you know, Wildling Diplomacy plus Endless Horde as an opening hand is, you know, pretty pretty up there in terms of, like, you're creating, like, a perfect storm. But um, I think that it's a very interesting choice for Mance even to choose to Wildling Diplomacy when I activate my first NCU as my first action. So presumably he picks letters and horses. He's trying to keep the horses open. You, know, you don't I have, have to pick drawer. So What's you that? Just, you don't have to pick a zone, remember, with Wildling. Oh, is it? It's if I take anything. Yeah, yeah. No, wait, he has to pick... No, he doesn't have to pick anything. Remind me what Wildling Diplomacy does. You you activate NCU if you take a zone D three plus wins and a condition token. Okay. I do think that's very powerful. It is. It is. I'm not going to sit here and say to people it's not powerful, because um, I say it definitely makes solos uh, mm. have a discussion. And I do think if you remove the D three plus one, then the only thing in the game really that it threatens, and I do mean the only thing in the game, is draw at three wins. Like, if you take away the plus one wound, it doesn't threaten dogs, it doesn't threaten mountain that rides, and everything else that's in the game has more than four wounds, so. Anyway, you know, how did we end up chatting about Free Folk again, as always, for half an hour? Because they're at the top. Um, a day at the top. That's how it works. Yeah, fuck Mance. Yeah, fuck Mance. Man Mance, has, uh, Mance, Mance has the author problem, right? Mance has the author problem, which is that in every possible category we can look at, he's the best possible choice for free folk. He's got practically the best attachment abilities you could have, right? Great, um, rally point, so, so important for the free folk, and particularly raiders with their extra wounds taken. Yeah. His cards are three of the best cards in the whole game, right? And he has three of them you know like it's not just like two are good and one's kind of trash you know like all three are brilliant cards all three you'd almost never not want to see in your hand except you know like there is a small aspect of like early versus late certain turns but like they're all just power piece cards mm -hmm. and then throw in that his counter strategy is just fucking good on top of all of that. The thing is, is that I can see him getting authored and being nerfed in so many possible ways that we're talking about, oh, you need to change this card, you need to change this card, you need to do this, you need to change, you need to change his rally point. Nobody has even said, oh, you need to change counter strategy. Yeah. But I think that it's also one of the most important key parts of what makes him powerful. There are a million ways that he could be toned down, but what makes him so, so stand out is that he is powerful in every one of those cases. Every one of those things combined is good. Each one of those things in isolation would make him good, and he has all of it at the same time. Um, so I think that that is kind of the thing. We can look at somebody like Asha. She also has Rally Point. She is also in a terrible morale faction. But Asha's not dominant. Because she doesn't also bring those other combos, those other things. She's not by far the best choice. No. So, 
what he just needs to do is he needs to move into line with the other options, be equally good with what other options are available to the Free Folk so that Free Folk become a much more interesting faction and not so one-dimensional. Don't nerf him because you hate playing against him. Nerf him because you hate him being the only thing that you ever see or only ever thing that you get to play as when you want to play Free Folk competitively. I've got no... The problem is, like, I've got no problem with him being the control commander. And people hate control, right? That's actually the big thing. People hate control. Um, Tyrion, for example, is still probably one of the better um, Lannister commanders. And he's a control commander in a control faction. Um, control is always kind of universally been powerful. And now we can argue what control is. Um, but it has always been a powerful thing. Um and Mance gives you the ability to control the game. And that's powerful. Um, but, yeah. I think I think you do need to change Mance. Mance definitely needs to see changes. Um, but I think, again, I think if you, if you fundamentally change Mance in too many ways, you will actually inadvertently completely fuck over Free Folk. Because for a long period of time, he was the only reason they were even in the discussion. Sad tear. And not many people will shed a tear. No, not many people. Just like not many people shed a tear when Offal got fucked. No. It's uh, it's a thing. Um, Baratheons are still shit. That's actually the interesting thing. Baratheons are still not very good. There's still one more tournament. There's still the Cheltenham Bunker. There is. Talked about. Uh, one by Double Jon Snow, who was the other man who saw some... Like, he saw jaw change and he saw uh, for the watch change. Uh, and of course conscripts the conscript change being the, obviously the big thing i think me and carlo talked a bit about before the episode started today um it's the conscript change in night's watch that's probably the most impactful uh because it simply means you're now points short in the list um but yeah john snow uh type lists and uh yeah they did well. I don't know which lists to use in each one. I'd have to go and look them up. But he did well. He won all of his games. Um, and yeah, it was an overall good time. Three Free Folk players came in at the uh, kind of like four, five, and six category. Pardon me, category. Um, including someone who picked up two losses but running a double mag list. Man's insane. I think they... Oh, wow, they are. Mag, Giant, Giant, 1-1. One, one. Two NCUs, Mag, one one giant Raiders, Raiders, two NCUs. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> Good on him. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, the Chelmsford, Chelmsford lot have um, seemed to have got together a really good close knit community. There are some players from outside of uh, the really local community going. Mm-hmm. Jacob running uh, Free Folk, Double Mance, um, was going into the event world's number one player. Uh, he lost to Dan, who is a great player that I've played before, um, um, and a long-time John player, long-time Night's Watch player, not kind of jumping on the bandwagon kind of player, um, but loses the last game 11-12, to 12, but a point away from it being four out of five wins for Free Folk over the weekend for the tournaments. But, uh, but Dan does it. 
takes it away and uh, really, uh, really crushed Jacob's uh, Jacob's ranking in the process. It's uh, it's always hard being at the top. You're always a single loss away from being right back down in uh, third, fourth, or fifth. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, really well done to Dan for taking on Jacob, getting the win there in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, Night's Watch still showing that they can be strong. John is still. A very, uh, very powerful commander. We are seeing a lot of ranger hunters, as yeah. as we expected. Um, and John, generally speaking, is the staple, the go-to uh, that we see for Night's Watch. And uh, that's not not that, not surprising when you think about his popularity on top of his current strength. Yes, right. Even when he wasn't anywhere near as dominant as Othel could be, he still saw a lot of play. And now that awful is far more manageable um, and far more reasonable, John has become standout the most common thing that we will see from Night's Watch, I think, for quite a while. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, there's definitely discussions to be had about John as well, I think. I don't necessarily think he's OP. What's actually interesting is that people go OP and I am on the opinion at the moment that I don't actually think that there's anything OP that we've seen yet. Um, when we talk about OP, right, this is a thing that people need to really realise. And I think the use of the terminology needs to be much more careful from some individuals. What we're talking about is something that is so good that it becomes ubiquitous. Um, Awful was OP, if you want to use that term, because it was obvious how you build an awful list. It was obvious how he worked. It was obvious how he functions. The list built itself. You didn't. You could actually sit back, kind of put awful in a list, and you'd be like, "Well, this is obviously good. This is obviously good. This is obviously good." Then you're changing maybe four or five points on top. Mother of Dragons was obviously a problem for the game because it was 21 points built for you, and after that point, there's not really much you can do. Um, it was. It had a problem. It's ubiquitous. Do I think Mance lists are OP? I'm jury's still out a little bit as a consideration, but I do think. I mean, you've only got to look at Larks and what Larks is running in comparison to other players, right? Larks runs double trappers, Tormund raiders, uh, a giant, and two chariots. It's not exactly the same list at all. It's still hitting nine activations. Is that a problem for free folk? Maybe. Is there individual components of free folk that are problematic? Probably. But I think using the term OP, which I've seen so many people use, is just, it's like, this is good, therefore it's OP. That's interesting. Duana mm-hmm. says OP equals obvious problem. Yeah. I've never, ever considered OP to mean obvious problem. Some be- obviously OP people say overpowered means to me in my mind instantly what comes to is overpowered mm-hmm. but if you use it as and a- they mean incredibly different things yes they, they do so that's why and, and i also just hate i hate when people talk about op because everything's just a gray scale like yeah. everything's just on a gray scale of like powerful to not yeah and there's no magic line once you step over you're suddenly overpowered if something is overpowered, then the magic line 
was so far back that you can't see it anymore, right? Like, yeah, that's that's actually something to be actually overpowered. Balance has to be like over there. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, if not, then there are always there are always counters and there are always things. It's when you have no counters, right? Like, actually, things that we can talk about being over op powered damaging the game things that there are no good counters to in the whole game and i would say personally that awful nice watch was in that category yeah and 10 activation starks in 1.6 were in that category right if i tell you I'm playing, uh, let's put it this way. If you tell me you're playing awful Night's Watch and you say to me, you can build anything you want to try and beat me. You know exactly what my list is. Try and craft a list to beat me. If what I decide is the best thing to beat you is also awful Night's Watch, then you're overpowered, right? If you don't have a counter, that I can build knowing that I think that you're going to face into that, then it's a problem. If in 1.6 you tell me, uh, I'm playing Starks, build what you think is the perfect counter. The problem is, is that the perfect counter is I'm going to also bring Starks. I'm also going to bring, you know, Walder, Starks, Dogs, until we have the same activations and all this kind of stuff. If at least the counter to Awful Night's Watch is, okay, I'm going to bring Cold Drogo Expert Duelist. And Cold Drogo has a different counter. Cold Drogo is, all right, well, I'm going to bring Stark Harden Spam or I'm going to bring, you know, something else. Like, right, like if we can at least create a wheel of all five of these lists are powerful. And like each one has good matchups against three of them and bad matchups against two, or at least one of them is a bad matchup for any of them. And it's not itself. It's bad matchup can't be itself. If yeah. you are in that category by yourself where your bad matchup is you and everything else is a good matchup, then we're into the problematic state. And that is the only things that I will ever accept the words OP around. Everything else is not overpowered. What it has is it has positive matchups against most stuff. And there are some matchups which are not good. And understanding what they are, learning to play around them, means that you will have to adapt your list. And you'll probably become worse against the stuff that you're good against in trying to become good against the stuff that you're bad against. And that's where I think that that balance becomes really interesting and becomes exciting and, and 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 a thing to study if the best thing to field against the best thing in the game is more of itself mm -hmm. then the game is stale and boring and peter says what's the counter to mance right now uh i don't know but what i would say is i'd probably be most interested at looking at low activation count very strong units drogo um, drogo in 
obviously Targaryens bringing field control is obviously a very useful thing. I think Targaryens has got to be where you look initially, um, because they have natural counters built into the deck. So that's just something you don't have to worry as much about. And you look at something like Drogo. Drogo yeah, I do also agree that John, um, John Ranger Hunter bouncing lots of attacks also has a Absolutely. great place. Yeah. Uh, John, John, John is probably a really... John Ranger Hunters, they're probably their perfect counter to, um, to just like deleting raiders, deleting raiders in one charge and bounce. Yeah. Um, Whereas then John has a problem, as we've discussed with Timo, and I actually think that he really does have a problem. John has a problem with hardened spam, right? Which says either Greyjoy Baylor could be a problem, could be talking Starks could be a problem, right? And things get super interesting once we talk about a two list pairing. If we can create a two list pairing which doesn't have any weaknesses, then that's a whole other level of complexity. At least if that two list pairing isn't the same commander twice. Um. And yeah, I do think that maybe there's a chance that Lance Cavalry can have a place, but I don't know. I'm a bit, uh, you know, it's... once you're highly act out activated, you might as well just have an activation which you can just go out there and hit them with because you know you can't delay. So like you might as well just have Cavalry maneuvers and go at it. Um... High, what I'll straight away say to people, high aggression. Anything that is going out there to kill your opponent, free folk will struggle with because they don't have much sustain. Like, they, they don't have good base stats, and it's horrible, but don't try and play the control matchup into them, because they have more units, they can do things, they have lots of other control methods. If you make the game, and it, it's not Carlos style, for example, but if you make the game dicey, and go, I'm going to come in and just go, I'm going to go really good dice at you, then eventually the averages will even out, and your stats will just win through. Like, that's what beats Free Folk. You've got better stats use your fucking stats that's the only like the other aspects of the game oh but i can you know i can try and outmaneuver them no you can't i've got more units i have more maneuverability i have an ncu that is one of the most powerful ncus in the game like don't try and outmaneuver me just kill me <laughs> um and it sounds really stupid but like i'm really worried about great john and bbgs because they'll kill themselves coming into me but there's actually a decent chance they'll just kill a unit and overrun and do a lot of damage if not kill the second unit they can do that reliably from 14 inches away, and that's scary. <laughs> um, I dis I disagree that 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 free folk have too many wounds. Yeah. In the new game that goes on for longer, um, I think that if we were in this state without the longer gameplay, because oh. Mance could still score two points a turn. Um, that would be really problematic. And that the game would end very fast and insignificant has a huge role to play when objectives are the by far the majority of scoring the game um i think that i think that the longer game is a nerf to free folk because the activations will begin to parity out the more time you can spend fighting them um on the flip side of that mance mance is now liberated to just like be the center point of your army. He doesn't have to sit in a corner. So he, he can be a bit annoying because his morale bubble has now become way more mobile. He's not confined to controlling a point. Um, but this is turning into an absolute free folk, free folk chat as always, yeah. which, you know, I, you know, I hate. <laughs> no, but like people ask questions, right? So anyway, <laughs> um, 
that's that those are the kind of things that work and it's it's all that the all out aggression style stuff does actually help because it's just relentless <laughs> relentless um and uh yeah there are other things that i think are good um things that perhaps don't see much play or don't get see much light of day uh, and strategies and things one thing i will say and i don't know if it's just me carlo have you seen an at absolutely like dearth of range units they've just all disappeared people are running like hybrid units a lot more we're still seeing like light bringers because people in brathian still think light bringers are pretty good but range like dedicated range units don't seem to be existing at the moment mm -hmm. and i do think that that's a big big thing that people seem to have just walked away from so yeah yeah i do agree that i think that um that's not against free I, I just think, in the game but. i think that nobody has bothered to explore range units because they just can't they couldn't win against off crossbows right like what's the point in trying when you're definitely the second and third rate version of what night's watch do but i think that there is space there to be explored but don't forget cavalry got significantly improved lance is way better light cavalry all practically lost a point that is very 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 dangerous for archers it is it is um all right then should we go on to the last part of today absolutely because you may have i think i already it. saw it pop up ever so quickly um these are these are pictures you're going to rate zero. There's quite a few of them. I'm going to be honest for a little while. So zoom in, get a good nice view of these guys as we go through. This is an entire Night's Watch army I was sent last night, painted up to a decent standard. I I, I like I like that Dario is uh, in in his Night's Watch garb. Slightly I, green I though like still. He's not full. He's not the full dark. He's got a bit of green in him still. You know, trying to keep that color. Yeah, good so far. I yeah, I think that's. I, I love those bases. I love a good base. And send your builders all over the shop. Mm -hmm. We'll keep going through. That's that's some really nice uh, uh, OLS or whatever. OSL. OSL. Jesus. This one here? Nice. Does, here's a question. Controversial as always. Don't like that Baelish isn't on the same base as everybody else. Yeah. That has just lost you 10 points, putting you on a 0 out of 10. <laughs> Was he really collecting 10 points before? Jesus. You heard it here first. This, um, this also might be controversial. I don't know if this is controversial, actually. I hate that Watch Captain sculpt. Because it just looks silly? Yeah, he, he looks like a prat. No, I, I don't think that's actually that controversial. I'm probably in agreement. Here you go, some conscripts. This is this is a, this is really absolutely an army that I really really hope to play against one day. Uh, we'll have a look at these two, the new cold hands and uh, one of the newer veterans, right? No, it's Gren. Gren. Uh, yeah, it's Gren. Uh, we'll keep going. The new cold hands on elk. Elk, elk, cold hands. With, everybody's doing him with like blue glowy eyes, uh, and I think that looks great. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
Vanguards. Vanguards. Very nice. We've got Ranger Hunters. Solid work. Uh, a good proportion of the... Uh, that's the starter box, I believe, painted up and provided mm -hmm. on table. That. Yeah, that's the whole starter box. The whole starter. This is before yeah. that snow was added to the base, clearly. Uh, a nice close-up of John. Eyes and everything. Yeah. Eyes that don't look googly. Googly eyes. A close-up of jaw. Are, are you enjoying this? Are you enjoying this? Yeah, like I'm. I'm. I'm really, really impressed. Like this is. This is all I ever want from an army. Right, like this, this is this is like I couldn't possibly want the army to be better painted. Like, yes, yes, there are people who can paint some individual models to exceptional, mind-boggling levels of standard, but this is far and beyond what I would hope to see on the table opposite me. And uh, yeah, like, and, and I think that the base, the bases, just just tie it all together, make them look so good, consistent. Consistent color scheme, consistent color palette, finished army, neat, great bases, great color contrasts. Oh, so zero out of ten. If only Baelish was on a similarly color. Yeah, Baelish. Goddamn Baelish, you could have had ten out of ten. Yeah. There oh, we go. Crossbows. Nah, nah, no cross, no, nope. <laughs> no, not anymore. Um, these were sent to me by patron uh, Kevin McReynolds um, with this army. Uh, shall I tell you the next bit? Because the next bit might make you go, oh, that makes a lot more sense. My initial response of oof was oof. Nice work, buddy. Uh, I might just go through the lot and see how Carlo feels. And then he had to send me a message following up saying, sorry, I didn't get to them sooner. But I will so say this. I own them, but I didn't paint them. Uh, are they... Are they are, you know what? I've got no problems with that. It's fine. It's I'm not going to lie. I mean, whether who, whoever painted them, right? There's they two are... people. Can you believe it? These were all painted by two individuals. And you know, you know one of them. Well, I think that they look professionally painted. Are they Yeecats? They are indeed Yeecats. Grant Stacy uh, is the man responsible for the whole starter box. He painted up the original starter box. Where I can find the picture. There we go. Yeecats painted the original starter box miniatures. That was uh, Grant Stacy's work. And um, the crossbowman and the snow to the bases was actually added afterwards by uh, one of Kevin's close friends who also plays the game, um, who basically put the snow on and did the crossbowman up to the same standard as Grant Stacy. So between mm -hmm. Grant Stacy and this other guy who I don't have the name of, um, actually genuinely really nice. I mean, I was literally going to say like, you know, if this was somebody's personal army, then, you know, it is of professional standard. Yeah. Like it is, it is, it's beautiful, beautiful yeah. army. You know, I'd be, I'd be so happy to own it. So that's, uh, that's Kevin, Kevin Reynolds, but obviously, uh, shout out to Grant and the work that he does over at Ecats because he's a great painter. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, you know, hopefully that won't be the last one we see for a while. We've got some more. Um, actually, well, I'll show you this other one, Carlo. 
because uh, I think you're going to rate this one quite highly. And I know this one's been quite a, an important Is it going to have loads of... Oh, it's got... Yes! <laughs> Extra rock. Yes. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen this, is Elite Teddy's uh, finished new Jamie sculpt, which Carla has been absolutely railing on over the last couple of days <laughs> over on the UKGT Discord. I wasn't... Just to be clear, right? Like, I wasn't specifically calling out Elite Teddy when I said I don't like miniatures with lots of extra rocks. But he does love an extra rock. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you, the worst one, the worst offenders that I've ever seen are like dire wolves that I've seen where they're on like, honestly, it's beautiful like work. It's the beautiful like Phoenix cinematic work, but it's like this big. And I'm like, I don't like it. I just don't like all that work's gone to waste because... The direwolf is this high up off the table, and it just doesn't. It looks great as a display piece, but it's not a playable piece. Yes, it is technically playable, but not for me. Not for me. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like, I like Drogon. Not so much Jamie. I actually don't like the Jamie sculpt. I don't like the modern Jamie sculpt. His his sword arm looks a bit weird, and I don't like individual models being given loads of extra height in that way. I believe half of that is like Jamie already comes on a rock, right? And then he's elevated that even higher with more rocks. Um which, you know, uh, yep. we, all, we all know that I'm not not a great fan of any kind of extra elevation. It's young it's young uh, it's young Griff. Also for anyone that doesn't know obviously some people might be newer here. I'm shorter than Carlo. There's a reason that Carlo doesn't like extra elevation. I'm just going to leave that one out there. <laughs> he doesn't like being the shortest guy in the room. And when someone lifts me up, Carlo feels inferior. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was uh, one final thing. Uh, oh, yeah. There's one miniature in my whole army who I elevated. Put him higher up. Can you guess who it is? Uh, which army? You're going to have to give me more. Targaryen. It's in, Bar- it's in my Baratheons. Baratheons. Um. Your Baratheon miniature that you made higher up. Does it classify? If like you, does it classify if you put them on the horse? No. Right. Okay. I elevated Tiny Loras so it. that he doesn't look so tiny anymore. Yeah. So he actually comes to the same height as everybody else. What you need to do is just buy yourself a new Lannister hero box. Uh, sorry, uh, Baratheon hero box. I've heard they fixed that problem. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna pot luck it unfortunately no anyway right. three hours we had nothing to talk about and yet we managed to talk for three hours as always and there's a good amount of free folk talk in there so dan if you're listening on repeat or catch up on the podcast we've done it for you dan that's who we have all these free folk chats for because we know you love them um all right then guys uh we will be back next week same time same place as far as i'm aware um we might have some more things to discuss. We might not. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Check out the Patreon if you haven't already. Check out Carlo's uh, OnlyFans because he likes posting pictures of very angry people and uh, pictures that say... He actually takes pictures of signs that say no rocks allowed. Um, he's like that kind of guy. Um, 
and yeah i hope that uh, i hope that events in your local areas go really well uh, on that note let's have a quick run through of the events happening this weekend we have noobski tourney which is probably a tournament for newer players in uh, Roklaw, poland and we also have uh, a polish league starting up that's happening this weekend um we have xx which I'm guessing is just a almost test definitely event. a placeholder event, which yes. will get deleted. <laughs> we have uh, Torneo Valencia Marzo uh, in Valencia, uh, Spain. Um, uh, we have a another Lublin event happening in Poland. Um, we have the Long Night ending. The Long Night is now over in Hammerhead Games uh, in Sacramento, California. Uh, we have House of Orcs, the second one of House of Orcs series. Uh, I will be checking that one out, definitely, because House of Orcs looked great the last time they had an event. Uh, that's happening in uh, Viterbo, Italy. Um, and we also have another Polish event happening in Poland on Sunday. And that is it taking us through to Sunday. So that is one, two, three, four, five, don't count you, six, seven events starting this week. Uh, one of them running for a long time. Great, really, really, really great, right? Six events uh, there is, should have an ender. Go on. There is one more event coming up. Uh, I forget. It's soon, right? I think it's in two weekends' time, which is um, the Spanish event, uh, El Rey and in, in Norte. Yes. You just had it there, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is looking, shaping up to be a pretty big event, mm-hmm. and, um, and the winner will come away with a, an invitational spot at the LGT. So I know that they already have international travelers coming from uh, coming from France and Belgium. Um, so you know if you if, if you're not uh, if you're not already set for that weekend and you can make it down to Santander, then this is going to be one of the biggest European events uh, that we've seen, you know, this year so far in the past, you know, basically since since always winter. This is looking like a bit, pretty big event and hopefully it's going to go really, really well. They have in the past, of course, ran their Clash of Regions, um, which was a huge undertaking, you know, which took a very, very long time because of all COVID problems. But I wish them all the best of luck with this. I'm sure we'll check in with it after it's done. Um but yeah, really looking forward to seeing what comes out of that. Uh, one of the biggest events. Um, the first really big numbers event that I think that we will see mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in in the New Balance patch. Yep. Um, also, obviously, again, shout out to... It's on the screen anyway. Uh, to Scabman and the guys down at Imjin Barracks doing their 24-hour charity event, which is happening on the same weekend. Absolutely. Um, check that out. Look at the pictures uh, for both of those events on the homepage, uh, as mm-hmm. nicely demonstrated. There's, there's a charity raffle go buy some tickets what you have a chance of winning is amazing value loads of people put stuff in there's even an lgt ticket in there um amongst loads of other prizes that people have donated and um, so yeah just honestly go and go and give give what you can well, thank you very much for listening this week, guys. Uh, it's been great to be here again. Um, I hope to get some more games in this week. Maybe we'll see. We'll see if Friday happens. Um, and uh, I hope that everyone has a great, great week. That you get some painting of your miniatures done, and that everyone gets a nice chill out. And uh, yeah, we'll take it easy, guys. We'll catch you next time. See you later. Ready? Aim. Release. Anyone see my mammoth? <laughs> <laughs>